You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. You sound like the uh, Zodiac Killer there, uh, but I'm Ryan Abraham, uh, USCFootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Together, we make the podcast champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. Absolutely got my butt chewed on the picks against the spread. Can you pay money for that? Uh I did pay money for that because I, I did make I made some bets and uh, they didn't go out so well. Uh, but yeah, we had a great week last week, a bad week this week. Dave beat me both weeks, so it's bad on double counts. How so. many games ahead of you am I? Now? You're two now. Ah. We, we were tied and you won uh, by an extra game the last two weeks. So we'll get to all that. Our picks, uh, we have the survival pool going on. It's getting a little, we're getting down to the wire and a whole bunch of people are still are, alive. So which one pretty, of us is still in that too? You were in that one. That was oh, good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to talk about week 10. Uh, which was pretty much blowout central. And then we're going to have uh, week 11, which we got a featured matchup, uh, Oregon and Washington and everything else is kind of meh. But uh, we'll talk about that. If you have any questions or comments, podcast at gmail.com is the email address, or you can call or text us at 424-532-0678. You can tweet us at Pac12Podcast on the website, Pac12Podcast.com. I know I'm like turning sideways a lot today i'm just like we're we are simulcasting you're feeling it i i am we are not simulcasting for god's sake we are just we are recording live and recording it for later audio or video viewing but we're not simulcasting it's like if we were recording this in live audio then yes it would be a simulcast okay we're recording our normal show and we just happen to put ourselves everyone wants to see our faces because you know you want to see this you want to see you want to see that glorious beard I, I trimmed Woods. it recently. It looks very trimmy. Yeah. I like it. Uh, but you got you got to get bushy for the holidays, right? It's going to cold out. It's a little chilly in my studio. I go here. very counterintuitive. I usually have my bushiest beer in the summer. Ah, uh, well, beard. You are a, you know, counterintuitive person, right? Yeah. You, you do like to go against the the grain. I don't know about that. See what I did there? <laughs> you like that? Such agreeable person. Um, yeah. But we are on YouTube, so please uh, like and subscribe. Smash the hell out of that like button. Just smash, smash, smash. Uh, like, 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 and uh, subscribe. Are we over 500 subscribers yet on the... Uh... Oh, yeah. We're way over. Nice. Yeah, uh, we're crushing it. We're at 523 subscribers. There are 25 people watching right now. Only six of those bastards have actually clicked like on this stupid show. Click like, all right? Yeah. I see the six, and I want to see it. I want to see it very quickly at 17. Okay, and yeah. then soon after that, 27. Then soon after that, 37. All and, right? And what I'm going to do is pull up your comments, if you have any comments. Have people been commenting yet? People um, like my jacket. We got some comments. Yeah. Um, hold on. We, this, is a, this is a good one. 
Dirty Knees. That's like kind of a good uh Dirty Knees. Best podcast on YouTube is on. Uh, that's right. Are we the only podcast on YouTube? Is that why we're the best? Or, no, because I, I do one myself no, too. Yeah, that's kind of insulting to me. Uh, yeah, I do okay. other podcasts. Well, actually, is it insulting to you? Don't uh, you favor this one over all others? I do favor this one over. Uh, yeah, because yeah. I I feel like my other ones I get a lot of support. Like there's people that are on the show that like can kind of carry their weight. And this, and this one, one, this one, you're fully I supported, like so it's different. <laughs> This is, this is the, I feel like this is my baby. Yeah. You know, like because <laughs> there's really no help. So it's, <laughs> it's a labor of love. <laughs> it's, like raising a child. Because we make no money. But yes, um, or maybe a little because we do have a sponsor coming up. Uh, yeah, but li- please like. And if you have the comments, we'll try to put them up on the screen. Um, we don't have a producer, so I'm kind of doing that and putting up pictures and all the other stuff. But if you have questions, I'll try to star them and we'll get to them. Uh, later on, we're over on Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash I haven't looked at it probably all year. Like, should we say that anymore? Is it a thing? I, I've looked at it occasionally and I just see the same post at the top that was from two months ago. Okay. Um, there's 233 members of that Reddit though. We need to like get it rolling again. But you say again, as if at some point in this, um, you know, ephemeral past, we had it rolling. Um, we had well, there's 200 something members on there. I, I mean, we didn't do that, like, people did that, right? But, but like, I mean, we weren't like set. I up. was putting stuff on there at some point, I was trying to like help it out, and and, and you did a little bit too. Yeah, I posted a couple things. Yeah, uh, I just haven't gone over there. Thanks. Oh, I just got there's a new post. No, 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 it's just Reddit being stupid. Yeah, uh, stupid Reddit. But the one, the most important one is the Apple Podcasting app. So you got your iPhone, you got your iPad, wherever. You got the Apple Podcasting app. Remember the iTunes thing? It's now Apple Pod, whatever. So just go in there and you need to, it's not subscribe, it's follow. They changed the terminology, whatever. Follow the podcast of champions. You should do that. So every time we do an episode, it'll pop up on your, your app like, oh, new podcast of champions episode. It's pretty cool. I like the Apple Podcasting app since I have an iPhone now. And when new episodes come out of things you follow, so you follow us and you'll know when we have new episodes popping up. It's great. But you should also leave us a five-star review because it's fun. You can leave us five stars, which helps the show. Then you can trash us and tell us how terrible we are at our pseudo jobs, which is a lot of fun. We have some really smart listeners. I don't know if we have any new reviews. We have two new reviews. Okay. The first one from JTrain89 is a five-star review. It says, great podcast. Appreciate the analysis and humor. Go Utes. Okay. There's no insult there. Yeah. So doesn't get it, but we love the Doesn't five-star. understand. <laughs> seems to think we want positive <laughs> reviews, but that's fine. He followed the rules, so he gets read. Uh, this one, much, much better. Uh, five-star review from Kinfei85. Dave and Ryan's weird relationship. Great show, although the hosts have the weirdest weirdest relationship that can almost be described as sugar daddy and sugar baby. You have the <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you have the older Ryan with the more successful program that's more established. Then you have the younger Dave whose program was having financial difficulties, so the older program bails it out by dragging the team to the Big Ten. <laughs> what makes it weird is that normally the younger one would be the more energetic one, down for everything, and you would be wrong. Ryan is the excited one, talking Pac-12 news and appearing on shows playing volleyball. Meanwhile, Dave responds with the enthusiasm of Eeyore on Xanax. Don't bring it up, though. Last time someone told Ryan he could do better, he got mad and, dra- and drugged Dave to the big Midwest Yelling about how they'll be appreciated with that new media deal. Nice. Nice. That's a very good review. Sugar um, Daddy 
sugar baby. Larry had a comment like right away. So um, he says he wants us to come off this Apple podcast shit. I would guess that just a few of your listeners don't have Apple podcasts and don't want them. Yeah, I think it's the most. I mean, that's we, we want you to subscribe on any. So if you have a Android, Google Podcast has an app. They just don't have an ability to rate uh, from my, my understanding. I think Spotify, you can leave a five star rating, but you can't leave a review. Apple Podcasts has just been around the longest, and uh, it's the most popular one, and it actually does help grow. I hope. I mean, I used to use the Google Podcast one. I like the app, but there wasn't a way to kind of rate. So or there's, like that. Uh, we've talked about this before, but there's this real subset of people that think because they don't like a thing that there's like this quorum of people who don't like a thing. When you look at like what is reviewed and where it is reviewed from a podcasting perspective, like Apple is the one. That gets it's because it's the default for everyone with an iPhone, and unfortunately, yes. pretty much everyone has iPhones. Yeah, I know you're going to talk about your Android and shit, and we don't care. We really don't. <laughs> um, most people have iPhones. Like that's what they that's what they use. Um, it's like the default for people, and the default on the iPhone because nobody's interested in like, oh, I want to download Stitcher because it's got a better playback experience where I can like scrub ahead 15 sec. nobody cares <laughs> people are just like oh where do i listen to this stupid show i like to listen to every week and that's the only thing i listen to and i don't really care if i have to listen to it at normal speed instead of like oh i can customize it to 1.62 speed nobody cares mm. nobody cares you care and that's nice for you it's your hobby um but most people just they don't they don't get that into it so yeah we will continue to encourage reviews on apple Podcasts because it is the one that that matters right and but if Google Podcasts had ability to rate, like I used to use it, I liked it. But you just can't do ratings and things like that because it's a newer, it's a newer platform there. So we'd love it, but it's, it does. Be, we wouldn't ask for it because you know we wouldn't give away the free underwear we were giving away before from Jockey yeah. if we didn't, uh, you know, know that it helps. It definitely helps. So look, is Apple stupid and overpriced? Yes. Here's my computer. Uh, it's all stupid and overpriced. Uh, nobody likes it, um, but it's the reality <laughs> of the thing. Um, so we just we just go with what brung us. Nice. And I also want to thank our sponsor, uh, my bookie, because man, hopefully you listened to our picks two weeks ago. Because if you listened last week, you didn't do well. I did not do well. Took a little bit of a bath in there, so I got to bounce back. Uh, but it was good. I had a good week and a bad week. Hopefully, it kind of bounced back uh, this week. Six more games on the slate. But if you haven't uh, gone over to my bookie, your initial deposit, they'll match up to $1,000. So even if you have a bad week of picks, at least you get your p- deposit doubled. So up to a grand, they will double your deposit. What you need to do is use promo code PAC12. I've had a lot of fun this whole year putting in my picks and we do our picks and then I get to bet them and stuff. And, you know, being a little bit of 500, that's been helpful. It's nice that we're making some money there, but it's a lot of fun just having a little juice on there. The most important thing is we have the, uh, you know, the, the, the competition with Dave and it's a lot of fun. Um, I, the, it's amazing how much thought, like not going, the thought doesn't much thought doesn't go into the picks, but thought afterwards is like, Oh my God, how did I pick that? Or that was terrible. Or how did that guy return a punt for a touchdown? Now he's not going to cover the spread. All that stuff is like, you're watching these games over the weekend and it's just, you know, having that little bit of juice is a lot of fun with it, but we want you to enjoy the slate of pac 12 games. And you can do that over with uh, my bookie. So go over there. The promo code is pac 12 and they will double your first deposit. Um, did you watch all the games? I watched every single game. Yeah, me too. Uh, it was fun. It was a fun weekend of football games um, beginning on a Friday. And then this weekend again, it's going to be Friday. on a Friday. I, it's kind of fun for me covering a Friday game this week because then it's like 
you get really to, sit down. Yeah, you free but, up free up Saturday. But this past week with a late game, I felt like I got you know I got the Friday game, I got the early games, and then sort of like the Utah game. I think it was when I was driving in, so I was kind of watching on my my phone and then you know there's two games at night and so i kind of i felt like i didn't miss sometimes you have like a game in the middle of the day and you're like you're missing the early one because you're the warm-ups and you're missing the one afterwards because all the interviews and stuff um so yeah i felt like i got a lot of even though i was covering a game in person i felt like i got full exposure to all of the pac-12 matt and and of course my picks were just god awful but that was uh that was fun and this this weekend should be good too because i got the friday game and then i can just kind of Watch the other games on the couch. It's going to be fun. Are we doing a Pac-12 championship game no matter what? Would are you we, do it? Are we doing it? You mean going to it? I, I went last year. Uh, you did not. Yeah, I'm almost certainly not going to it. Really? Yeah. So, you okay, UCLA's got a great chance to be there. Yeah, yeah correct. If, okay, would you... Can I tell you the number be, of UCLA football games I've attended this year? I was going to say none. You haven't covered a game... Correct. ...in how in five years? I have... No, no, no. So when I lived in Georgia, I covered um, <laughs> a couple of road games for UCLA. Okay. I covered Cincinnati. I covered Memphis. Um, but no, I haven't been to a UCLA home game since the 2015 football season. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So this wouldn't count. This is not a home game, so this wouldn't break your streak there. True. Um, would you be more likely to go to Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game if UCLA didn't make it? My likelihood of attending the game, no matter who is in it, is about 0.5%. So why is that? Why can how can we can we up that? We need to change that. Um, uh, gosh, babysitter. Like, a- what age we- up my young children to 25 and 28. Uh, okay. Can you do that? You have the tools. You have the technology. We you were can, an engineer, weren't you? We can get a twenty-five to twenty-year-old babysitter for you, and then they can watch yeah, your kids. That's true. That's uh, true. That would be kind of fun, right? Yeah. Uh, just doing that kind of stuff. Um, okay. So yeah, get over to uh, my bookie and uh, double your deposit there. We have a little bit of um, breaking news. Uh, well, first of all, like I do a, a uh, you, I think we talked about this. You know what orbiting is. Did we talk about orbiting this? like going around the earth orbiting is like a social media term or like whatever. So like you break up with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever, and then you still like kind of follow them on social media, interact with them, even though you guys have broken up or whatever, you're sort of just like hanging around like the out, you know, whatever. And so I do like, like the moon, which was a broken off piece of the earth's crust during the uh, primordial period of the earth. And now it orbits around the earth. Doesn't the earth, isn't the earth the center of the universe and everything goes around it. That's what I've, that's you know, if you were dumped back into like fourteen uh, hundreds, um, you would have been right there burning Copernicus, I think, in Galileo. <laughs> the Earth, is, the Earth is flat, center of the world. Okay, um, yes. But anyway, so I do a little thing on this, like basically the former exes, like the guys that were on the team last year, or the coaches. Like, how are they doing now? How's uh, Keaton Slovis doing at Pittsburgh, or how's Brew McCoy doing at Tennessee? Stuff like that. Well, I mean, Jaden Daniels. Absolutely killing it at LSU. Not bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Herm Edwards, he got his old job back. He's back at ESPN. I know. What do you think of that? Like, that's- well, I think it's it's it just shows um, when you are uh, tested in the furnace, in the cauldron, in the um, uh, the forge of uh, Pac-12 football. Yeah, uh, you can you can parlay that into anything. You, you want to go? You want to go compete in the SEC? You know what you got to do first. You got you, you got to go. Put, you got to go suck in that. <laughs> you got to go suck ass in Tempe for a while. All right, that's how you go into LSU and beat Alabama. 
It is funny. I mean, sometimes you, you throw need... 15 interceptions last year for ASU. <laughs> and now, now you're beating Alabama. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty funny. Was even like a Bo Nix, you're just like, man, he just couldn't, he just was, couldn't get out of his own way in Auburn. And now he's like going to be a freaking Heisman yeah. candidate, you know. Well, it's uh, just it's because he's now in a real league, you know. Iron sharpens iron. Yes, he just knows he has to up his game every week. You know, he could get away with this stuff when he's playing Vanderbilt, but you know, when you get what are you get, what are you going to get away with when you're going against uh, Eastern Washington? Eastern like, Washington. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, congrats to Herm. Um, there's also been a little bit of uh, speaking of we talk about Oregon and Auburn, um, Land Danning. There were some rumors that Auburn was interested in him. Maybe it was like a Mel Tucker situation, or Mel Tucker with a winning record um, getting poached away right away. Uh, but you know, Oregon's been the you know coaching stability for quite a while, right? So just this would this would you know be coming out of nowhere. But no, seriously, after one year. But I, I loved his uh, statement when he talked about this. Um, he was emotional. You know, he talked about his uh, kid. Like I. I you know, you can't trust trust what coaches say, but I felt like Land Downing wasn't going anywhere. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, I don't think he would. Um, and also, he's struck me as a very smart guy so far, um, just judging by his coaching acumen and everything. A smart person doesn't take the Auburn job uh, right now. Um, they've shown institutional instability, just yes. firing coaches left and right. Gus Malzahn was on the hot seat for, I think, four straight years. Um, they're just not – it's not a stable institution. Two, um, literally, I wouldn't take the Auburn job until I got a guarantee from Nick Saban that he's going to retire in the next four years. Like, if if Nick Saban wants a new whipping boy at Auburn, he needs to actually guarantee to that person that he's going to be done in a four-year period. Yeah. Um, because it's just, it's just not a sustainable job um, with Alabama doing what it is, with Georgia, which is, you know, historically a rival of Auburn doing what it is. Um, it's... You know, in theory, a lot of talent, you know, it's talent rich area. You can recruit to that area. You can do the whole thing. But what is it? The fourth or fifth best program in the SEC right now? It's a it's a bit of a problem. Even with whatever the Pac-12, Pac-10 is going to be, I think I think Oregon's just a fundamentally it's a better job right now. Like historically, all the like priors and everything, maybe not, but better job right now for sure. I think they're looking at it as could you be Tennessee? Which Tennessee was way worse off than Auburn. Now Auburn's been like yeah, but is Tennessee a flash in the pan or is it for real? Like, is it is it okay? They've hit a great quarterback. They've got this offensive scheme that nobody was really prepared for. Like all this other stuff. Like, and they might still end up ten and two. And ten and two is a good year, but you're not. I mean, compared to what Tennessee was before, like yeah, that's pretty amazing. It's I totally think. great. Can you do that at Auburn? I mean, but, but is Tennessee this year what UCLA is doing this year? Like is it is it is building it, on the future it, of the Chip Kelly dynasty? Is well, that what you're talking? Well, about? who knows? Who knows what the future is going to hold? But like, is it is it just a one off or is it a real thing? Um, and even if so, well, how easy has it been for anybody to create um, a new entity, a new pole in the SEC dynamic with you know what Saban is doing at Alabama? I mean, you've got yeah. you've got Kirby Smart, who's yeah, he's elevated Georgia, but elevated Georgia from nine and three, ten and two to national title contender. Um, Auburn's been scuffling uh, for a little while now. So Georgia's the boogeyman right now. Georgia's just like the like they're just a. I don't know if and I don't know if Nick Saban like you know have two losses in a year to be out of the college football playoff race, which is insane. Like that just doesn't happen in Alabama. 
I mean, no, really, like, yeah, it, yeah. That's, it, like that's silly to say, but like they've always been there. You know, it's like they're a mainstay. Now, yeah. I'm not saying that they're just going to go downhill. He'll probably go out and get sign the greatest class in recruiting history, and uh, and they'll probably steal a bunch of those A and M guys that they got last year that are all going to jump. Oh, shit absolutely. Now. And are we going to talk about the CFP playoff rankings? Have we done that yet? Oh, we haven't. We have not done that yet. Um, do you want to pull those up? Uh, do you like the rankings? Or? Well, so the, the interesting thing is, and this is where I'm going to throw a little cold water on everyone being like kind of heated about this. This shit does not matter, and it, it it's very clear for the, that the committee doesn't think it matters until they actually get to the final rankings. This is just a show. Like, it's just theater. So as it is right now, they have um, the first Pac-12 team is number six, Oregon, and then the next one is USC at eight. Yeah. Uh, then after that, it's a huge gap to UCLA at 12. UCLA at, at a one-loss team is behind two two-loss SEC teams in Alabama and LSU. LSU is somehow even ahead of USC, who's at number eight. There's been a lot of consternation about how UCLA should be where USC is. Um, USC should be behind UCLA based on the comparative resumes, all that stuff. It doesn't matter because all of this is going to get played out on the field. Yeah. If USC wins out, um, it'll take like one other thing happening, but they're in. If UCLA wins out, it'll take like one other thing happening, but they're in. If Oregon wins out, it'll take like one other thing happening, but they're in. Actually, okay. for Oregon, it might not even take one other thing happening. They're in. Um, it's just theater. What they've done is that they've at least given themselves cover that they've given three Pac-12 teams top 12 rankings. So if one of these teams beats the other two, which is the only way this is going to play out, USC will beat UCLA, and then if they're in the Pac-12 title game, it'll more than likely be against Oregon. If UCLA beats USC, it'll more than likely be playing Oregon again. And if Oregon, uh, they're going to beat Utah, which is also in the top 15, but they're also higher ranked right now. So I wouldn't get your, you know, getting a, getting a tizzy about this. Um, it's just, it's stupid stuff that makes a TV show on Tuesdays, but yeah. it's not going to matter until... The end of November. And Washington snuck into the rankings, knocking Oregon State out, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, so that's significant for some. You know, like if you're looking at the resumes, like you could argue like what, you know, the argument about UCLA being ahead of USC. USC's best win was Oregon State. And now they're not, you know, they're just outside the rankings. And, and hell, they have Utah at number 13. So they have yeah. Utah one spot behind UCLA. So that's four Pac-12 teams in the top 13. I don't think the Pac-12 is being like, quote, disrespected. No. They've set up the rankings such that they can justify a Pac-12 team making a jump. Yeah. And I, I mean, if you're like Oregon, you have Washington, Utah, Oregon State, and then the championship game. Like you have four resume builders in a row, you know. So if Oregon goes four and over the next stretch, then, you know, that's 13, what was it, 12 and one at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. They lost by seven touchdowns, but they've, they you know, an amazing turnaround. I think you can overlook that, even though seven touchdowns is a lot. Um, to, to go for and over this next stretch, even as good as Oregon's playing, that's going to be really tough. Yeah, my my contention is this. If a Pac-12 team wins out and finishes with one loss, they're going to be in the playoff. Okay. Um, even if TCU wins out because Ohio State and Michigan can't both win out. So I think they'll jump up over all the SEC teams and be in. Nice. Any oh. Pac-12 team that wins out. We got to Thank you. We have a uh, Cameron survival pool update. Uh, yes, I have one for you. My apologies. 
Um, and Matthew, thanks for compiling all this. Dave, you're allowed to reveal your picks because we're just running out. You don't. It's not gonna. There's not. I can't remember who I did last week, but I'm doing the other one this week. So it's either Utah or USC. Okay, so we are down to there were 21 entries that were alive for week nine. Uh, so 21 people still alive. Pretty good. Um, 15 winners. Six people at Utah. Six people at USC. So Dave, you are one of those. You'll take the other one this week. Washington State. Uh, two people. Oregon State. Uh, sorry, Oregon. One person. And there were five losers uh, for week 10. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So live for week nine. So you for know, week losers 10, is so pejorative. Can we call them non-winners? The uh, second placers were, they all picked Stanford. So not probably by choice. They just kind of ran out. And some person made it nine weeks and then they didn't put a pick in. So, uh, but we're down. We got 15 people left. Um, some commentary from Matthew. He said, it's okay to discuss Dave's picks now because they're obvious. Six teams are no longer available to pick. Uh, so Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon, UCLA, Washington, Washington State are all exhausted. So no one can pick those. The other Ryan, who's doing well on this, uh, he's the only guy that's picked Colorado. That, so he had one week that Colorado won. Uh, for his remaining two picks, he still has Utah and Cal. So he's the only person left who hasn't picked Cal. And if there's, So anyone hoping for Ryan's demise needs to start rooting for Stanford to win big game. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so there's that. Sorry, the big game? <laughs> the big game. Um, let's see. Early condolences to Cameron Bauer, who is still alive, but whose only remaining teams are Stanford and Colorado. Uh-oh. Oh, Cameron. You're the one who asked for the update. There you he go. He did, yeah. Uh, so, Cameron, you, you are, you've you done really well, but now you're you're screwed. Uh, for everyone else except the other Ryan, the, Ryan, the strategy is clear. Pick whoever you have left other than Colorado and hope that everyone gets eliminated in week 12. Uh, of course, you think Colorado is going to beat USC, which it, admittedly would be hilarious. Okay, so it would be really funny if Colorado. It, would that be worse than when Stanford beat USC at home with that first Harbaugh team? No, because that was a forty-one point spread. This one's thirty-four. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. But nobody was thinking that Stanford team was the worst team in college football history. Whereas we did think that, but the Colorado beat Cal. You know, that's true. That's so true. Now they have they have a win, uh, but that was a terrible Stanford team, and they. Uh, isn't and Trevita Pritchett like he's still the offensive coordinator. So that that win allowed him to get a job and uh, keep it despite being bad at what he does. True. Um, okay, let's get into our Pac-12 roundup. We had some amazing games. Like if you didn't know about college football, and you're like, is the this the goal to have one team score a shitload of points and another team score not that many? We had that in spades. <laughs> In the conference champions in week nine. Uh it's hard picking spreads when the you know it's like oh 34, but like is it gonna are they gonna cover this? Like, how the hell do you know? Like it's a you know, whatever. Did you pick the worst team in college football history to cover against Oregon? I did at home, which what was the spread? It was uh You got player drops. Well, yeah, I will in a second. It was thirty one and a half points at home. Uh-huh. Not taking into consideration that Oregon's trying to impress the committee mm-hmm. and all that stuff, but I did bring that up when you were picking. You did, yes. Yeah, that week. was, uh, uh, and I wasn't expecting Oregon to. Well, let's talk about this for a second. We have our number twelve team, the worst team maybe ever, Colorado Buffalo, and our number one team, Oregon Ducks. So, what were you saying? You weren't expecting Oregon to do what? So. Oregon starts this game off with like 
linebacker scoring a touchdown, left tackle scoring a touchdown. Like they were pulling out all the stops like they were playing Georgia again, but they were playing Colorado. Like they I think I'm talking like to the fourth touchdown to have a conventional score. Like they really were just like they blitzkrieged Colorado. Like I thought Colorado could be feisty, but Oregon like flipped it and just said, "We're not even going to give you a chance to think that you could be feisty in this one." It's like they had the mindset of we're blowing you out right now, and uh, can trick I take- plays and all that stuff. It was it was ma- I thought it was masterful. I thought Oregon like I, Colorado could have been um, a little feisty in this, and Oregon just didn't let them and just demoralized them from the beginning. So like go back to being like I know you have an interim coach now, and and Mike Sanford has you guys fired up. Go back to being Carl Durrell, Colorado. We're just going to make it so you can't do anything. And they sort of just like crawled back in a hole. Like they took out the wind out of their sails like very early on in this game. Is that that fair? Uh, It's fair to an extent. um, But I want to take you through a sequence in the second half. Okay. Uh, So this game, you're you're right in that uh, Oregon had a huge lead. Uh, It was 28-18. But I will say this. um, There was a sequence where Colorado's offense on Mm. five straight – series went okay interception interception turnover on downs turnover on downs fumble Mm. now that's five times where you essentially turned the ball over without doing anything and on two of those uh Oregon uh intercepted the ball and returned it almost on one of them almost to the red zone and the other one almost to the end zone um setting up easy very easy touchdown drives if the Offense had not been quite so inept for Colorado. I think their defense, it wasn't good. I don't want to say it was good. Yeah. It wasn't good. But it wasn't the absolute, like, they were going to get steamrolled in this game no matter what. But the offense completely shutting down any ability to even attempt to come back in the second half is actually what made Oregon cover. Hmm. They couldn't come back at all. Yeah. I mean, they were they, uh, Christian Gonzalez, uh, Colorado Why? transfer had back-to-back interceptions in this game on two straight series. He did. I would say in that case, and I thought I had some pictures from this game, but I don't seem to to have them. Um, do I have them? No, I, don't, yeah, I thought I saved it. Anyway, you have nothing. You have nothing. Sorry, I didn't put pictures up from this one. Um, you have up, nothing. I can put up like an old uh, Bo Nix photo or something. But You can't yeah. get good help these days, guys. It's very hard. I, sometimes you save them. Like, so I pull up photos and like you save them, you think they're JPEG and they're not, and then they don't show up like when you're trying to use them or whatever. Um, See, it's this kind of attention to detail that keeps us from getting paid. Right, exactly. This is... Um, what, so the sequence you were talking about is terrible. When you watch JT Shrout throw the ball, <laughs> it's like... It's like you can't. Here, let me put. I'm going to put our over. If you're watching on YouTube, let me. I'm going to put the overhead. He throws a beautiful ball, on. whether it's going to the other team or his. It is like you feel <laughs> like if you ever watch those video games where like there's like a sw- what would it be like a golf swing or no when you're you're trying to kick in like Madden or something and you like hit the button and the thing swings and then you got to stop it like in the like in the like the little right range it's like swinging and stuff sure i feel like when he's throwing the ball it's sort of like you're randomly stopping <laughs> and then that's where he throws it goes that way so like he's just it's, you can't if this is the podcast thing you can't see it but it literally just he's gonna throw the ball very hard and it could go in a there's a cone of like mm-hmm. anywhere it could be now the guy could be five feet away from him and he could throw it in the dirt like really hard you know five feet behind him he could throw it into space you know five feet in front of the guy yeah, yeah. he might hit him in the back shoulder where it's like 
well, it kind of got to me, but it's like really hard to catch. Well, like, it's one of those. It was like this random cone of just throwing. There's like there's zero no. There's like no. It could go anywhere in this cone. There, there was a uh, I forget if it was NCAA football or Madden where they experimented with the cone of vision. Okay, like that that idea of like if it's within this cone, like where you're looking, you're gonna throw it better. Um, and depending on your quarterback skill in those video games, it would be like this wide cone oh, or a short cone so or whatever. See, like the whole field, right, right. Just, yeah. And I feel like JT Shrouds is a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. I was watching. It was just like they'd have like a guy coming over the middle. And it's like yeah, the play looked like it's developing, and it's basically just like okay, you're just. I mean, it would be like pop a shot. You're like okay, I'm gonna like he's running here, like lob it there. He runs, and it would just be like wow. <laughs> and then just throw it like where he was like five seconds. Like what 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 was that? Like I don't it just didn't make any sense. And then I get so Ryan. By the way, by do, the way, somebody out there track how um, much more animated and angry Ryan is talking about games in which we picked differently yes. and I won. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You do the same thing. The uh, the w- one thing I'm going to give okay Colorado credit. So Oregon broke out a player that there's no way Colorado could have scouted. This guy, you might not have, Christian Gonzalez. Like, I don't think there's any way Colorado could have known how good of a cornerback this guy is. Like, really come out of nowhere. Never heard his name before. Um, I don't know if he's, he's just, he's new to the Pac-12. And so, like, obviously you're going to try to pick on this guy and throw balls his way, you know, and have a pick six and maybe a near pick six. Like, that just came out of nowhere. So I don't, I don't know how Colorado could have, known anything about this guy totally true yeah really fair. if you don't know what we're talking about he played for colorado last year and he's really good and you have a bad quarterback that keeps throwing at him like literally at him because he was catching the ball so i mean that's that, that's the kind of crap you're just like what like how can you be this incompetent and then, I mean, they, they couldn't even snap the ball. I tweeted that from the couch. You're like, because you knew. I was like, like Colorado, was they couldn't even snap the ball. Like, they were like, the ball snap. And they, they showed competency, like, beating Cal. You know, like, Cal's bad. But they actually look like, oh, they like look like a team, you know. And Oregon just, like, beat the absolute piss out of them. So, it's funny. Uh, it, it was funny. It was a funny game. It was very funny. It was windy. They had five fumbles in this game. They only lost one of them. But, yeah, they still put the ball on the ground a lot. Uh, yeah. So Josh Connerly had a – it was his birthday. So you remember the five-star? Uh, yeah. Up, so he caught a touchdown. Comes in as like a six-off Yeah, baby. Uh, Bo Nix caught a touchdown. Ran for a touchdown and threw a touchdown. Bucky Irving threw a touchdown. Uh, Bucky Irving threw a touchdown to Bo Nix. Uh, Noah Sewell, the, you know – all-American linebacker had a rushing touchdown. So, like, Oregon was doing this shit from the very beginning. You're like, what? I mean, Colorado has no chance, like, when you're doing that kind of stuff. Like, save some of the – you have Washington, Oregon – I mean, Utah and Oregon State coming up. Like, save some of this for them. Why are you wasting it all on Colorado? I don't know. Got to like, keep them interested. Like, if you lose – like, if Oregon goes losing, like, to Washington or something, you're like, uh, maybe you shouldn't have done this shit against Colorado. Maybe save it for Washington. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, let's go to our number 11 team because just because we can't have co-12 teams but our number 11 team is Stanford Cardinal we are so dumb and uh, no we're not playing anything else but the meow because we don't have the other thing uh, they're taking on uh, our now number 7 team Washington State Cougars how dumb are we 
Very dumb. Uh, I lied. I watched like four seconds of this game. Uh, who cares? Who cares? What What was the score? Just let people know. Stanford's trash. Uh, they're just trash. Why Why do we have to tell them the score? Washington State won 52 to 14. <sighs> How can you watch Stanford football anymore? That's the real question here. Yeah. How is anybody doing this? It's like David Shaw miraculously won three games and he's like, you know what? We're done. We're good. I'm good. We're all set. I won what I needed to do to keep this job. We're going partying. No big deal. Just yeah. a trash program. Um, they don't even have a running back right now, man. It's they had a what is a safety playing running back or something? Yeah, this one they've lost something called a Mitch Leiber. Something called a Mitch Leiber. Uh, down their top four running backs. Yeah, they had a safety. Um, Stanford. So remember, how- I watched long enough to see Nakia Watson uh, run just straight through and down the sideline past everyone on Stanford's defense. Mm. If you're making Washington State's offense look like this, you are a trash can. So bad, uh, so bad. Like, is this like twenty more points than Washington State has scored this year in any other game? You've you've seen Washington State's offense, and they looked like, I mean, what they ran the ball. For like 300 yards or something stupid. Like Washington State, like a coup grade ran all over the Stanford team. Maybe because you had your safety plan running back, so you lost one of your defenders. I don't know. I'm not sure how that works. Um, we have Alex says, the Zodiac Killer has revealed himself. His name is David Shaw. What, um, a, what a trip that would be mm, if it turned out David Shaw was the Zodiac Killer. This is a very different voice. Brian says, what would it take for Stanford to overtake Colorado in 12th in the rankings? Shaw doesn't even try to win now. Uh, Pun on fourth and one to save face. I don't know. Stanford is more embarrassing. I would say that. Like, they've recruited too well to be this horrible. Like, Colorado has excuses up the ass. I mean, Carl Durrell is an excuse. Um, Losing every single one of your best players to the transfer portal is an excuse. Mm. What's Stanford's excuse? They've got a guy who everyone agrees is like a consensus, you know, NFL quarterback. I don't know if they agree that now. Yeah, I don't know about that either. But they scored 14 points and they allowed 52 against an offense that was bad this year. It was 42 to seven. Um, four turnovers in the first half for Stanford. It's just like basically just removed yourself from consideration, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know what we were thinking, honestly. When we picked Stanford, because we've think, seen the other game, like Washington State's looked pretty butt, you know, and yeah, I, know. I, I had just I had games. just watched Stanford look horrible against UCLA. I should have known better. Yeah, they'd packed this it was in. at home. Washington State hasn't been like the my the whole like I was like putting a lot of stock and it's been working pretty well, like the home teams and like people playing like down on the road. That wasn't the case. Like I thought Oregon would play worse on the road. Like nope, um, Washington State would play worse on the road. Nope. Uh, they came out and just, you know, gutted these teams. So, uh, yeah, um, big, this wasn't a big spread. This was a five and a half point spread, but it was a blowout. Okay. Total blowout. We got, uh, our number 10 team, California golden bears. And, uh, they were on the road taking on our number four team, USC Trojans. Can we just for a second, can we just appreciate USC's fortitude? Mm-hmm. I mean, a team, they just got out of the cauldron of Tucson, right? Yes. And uh, uh, just, I would say, showed a lot of metal, a lot of toughness, uh, competitiveness to 
beat a really, really good Arizona team. An Arizona team that they were favored in that game, right? By eight points. Uh, they beat them by eight points. They and, did. And, and Arizona was favored, right? No, USC was favored, yeah. But like a, it was a close thing, 15, right? Like, 15. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. But, but Cal, we're talking about Cal. Mm. A team that we thought Almost preseason, preseason, no preseason, we thought they were an eight, four, nine, and three teams. So they're good. I talked to Ryan Gorsey. He thought they were going to be eleven and one. <laughs> really good Cal team. Yeah, and USC just showed a ton of fortitude. Again, a ton of toughness. They showed their medal as a potential national championship winning program. They beat those Cal Bears by almost a full touchdown. That's true. Six points, forty-one thirty-five. I thought, um, I don't, I don't know it for sure, but I, I think Caleb Williams uh, secured his Heisman uh, in this game. I think Alex. He's got a good chance th- to go I, to New York. I think Alex Grinch. Um, I think he gets. I think he probably gets a head coaching job in a Power Five after this one. To hold Cal, some USC fans would like that. <laughs> to hold Cal, Cal to thirty-five points. I mean, how many teams can say they've done that this year? Well, Jack Plummer. One in the Pac-12 conference when your name is close to Jake, like obviously you're going to be freaking good. Plummer almost had a 300-yard game when they played UNLV earlier in the season. You know, uh, 278 yards or something like that. Like that's pretty good. You know, and UNLV like one of the worst p- programs in the Mountain West. That's fine, but he almost threw for 300 yards in that game against USC. Throws for 406. 71% completion percentage, ties uh, season high, three touchdowns, uh, longest play of the season, 58 yards. Like They made Jack Plummer sort of look like a Jared Goff or a Aaron Rodgers. Like a, or one of those. a Chase Garbers. Or a Ch- oh, well, I I wouldn't go that far. Chase Garbers. He wouldn't have lost this game. League MVP, seven years running. Ch- Chase Garbers would have won this game. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they make him look uh, extremely extremely competent and uh cal you know there was never like a doubt but then in the second half like usc defense actually did okay in the first (coughs) half like uh you know like it was whatever 21-7 or 28-7 or something like that do you want the answer on um which defenses have held um cal to 35 points this year uh yes it's everyone but arizona yeah yeah they scored 49 against arizona which is very weird um but you then cal does that onside kick was mm-hmm. brilliant, and mm-hmm. they get the ball, and then they score again. And then they get another onside kick. Or try Is John Baxter kick. still their special teams coordinator? They don't have one, <laughs> and it's funny. And, like, um, I asked – it's funny. I think it was early in the season, like, they, their special teams were kind of bad. We were, like, a Tuesday practice. I asked Riley, first question, like, you know, give me your assessment of special teams. And he knew like, they were sucking. And so he sort of gave, like, these are good, these are good, these need to get worked on. And they actually got better for, like, two weeks after that. I felt like they put a lot of emphasis into it, and then they sort of dropped off. Um, so that's where reporting can kind of influence things. I'm like, I know he was pissed that I asked that question and then they got better on special teams, but they were bad. And he said that, you know, he's, his philosophy isn't to have a special teams coordinator unless they would allow you more assistant coaches. And to be fair, USC's had some really, really terrible special teams with dedicated special teams coaches. I would rather you suck on special teams without the resources. Like they don't have five specialists on scholarship. You know, they have like two. They don't have a special teams coordinator. So if you suck at special teams, you're like, all right, well, at least you're not pouring resources into it. Like USC was pouring resources into it with John Baxter, and they were just terrible. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. But, um, uh, I would simply prefer that you not be shitty at special teams if, you know. True. 
Because uh, the thing the the thing I've always said about special teams is that is um, just basic attention and focus stuff that should be coached. Um, like if you're bad at this stuff, yeah, like it's situational. It's not because like how much practice time do you need to devote to be prepared for an onside kick? Um, how much like uh, game state knowledge do you need to like tell them right before that? Hey, you need to be prepared for an onside kick. You know, you're right. That's just coaching. That would be a that would be a coaching thing. You're just like, hey, get ready for it. Um, Caleb Williams was really good, though. Um, yeah, he's a special player, um, and I think it, it, you know it's going to get lost because uh, obviously, obviously, and I don't think I'm telling any tales here. USC does not have a championship caliber defense. No. Um, Caleb Williams though is really goddamn good. Um, I mean, and two weeks in a row without your top two receivers, like, like I don't like. Would you? How much confidence would you have in like DTR is special? If you take like Jake Bobo away, like, yeah, it's gonna be it would be tougher. Or like you know your top tight end and Jake Bobo, like oh my god, that would be, it would just be tougher. He had his you know four hundred eleven yards without those two guys. Um, now they're bad teams that they're playing, yeah, but he still looked really good without your top two receivers. So that yeah, was he's know. a really really good player. But without Eric Gentry, the middle linebacker, they've been really bad on defense. So uh, the last three games, the USC defense has been like. They were historically bad last year. They're like in that range this last year. No, they're working down towards um, because the thing is, all right, there's a bottom tier in this league that is like Arizona, ASU, Colorado, Stanford in terms of like just, oh, horrendous dog shit defenses. Yeah. USC is moving, like moving in that direction. It's not there yet, but this is, this is dire. And I think it's the kind of thing where, they Lincoln Riley will need to think about what he's doing defensively after this year, I think. Um, because I, I know they like Grinch, I know he carried him with him from Oklahoma, but this is not gonna. I mean, if you know USC fans and you, you've known oh, USC, they, hate, they, they, they hate shitty defense, especially <laughs> like they hate it because it's the, like the tradition, you know, having the linebackers and all that kind of stuff. So, like, the 55 year old USC fan. This this is driving them insane right now. Right. Um, so it's not going to last, and I think it's going to get that more than anything, more than like going 10 and 2 or whatever, and it being like a slight disappointment because of where they could have been. More than anything, the fact that it was because the defense was shitty is going to drive people crazy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. We got our number nine team. Arizona Wildcats. And uh, they were on the road uh, taking on our number three team. Utah Utes. We got this one right. We sure did. Now, if if Arizona had turned it over, say like two fewer times, they might have had a chance yeah. at covering here. Um, but uh, they decided they were just going to fumble constantly. They did fumble quite a bit. They fumbled constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was how many lost fumbles for Jaden Delora had two lost fumbles. Jacob Cowing had two. Um, obviously, got hurt too. Um, this was one of the Jaden Delora bad games where he was just trying to do too much, couldn't hang on to the ball, um, just didn't look good at all. He got pulled for Noah Fafita towards the end of the game. Um, but Utah, I mean, Utah played well. Cameron Rising was back. I don't think he looked very sharp. Um, it was another one of the like kind of windy and cold games. Um, really, a lot of windy and cold games across college football um, this past weekend. Didn't matter what region you were in. Like if you watched any of the Big Ten stuff, it was windy and cold. Yeah, and it was uh, this was pouring down rain. Uh, also, that at 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 one point, um, it was good to see Cam rising back. We liked seeing that, uh, but yeah, he didn't look 
the same. He didn't run. Um, is there Jaquindon Jackson? Yeah, ran the ball. He did. Uh, Looked pretty good doing it. There was. Uh, He's no Colson Yankoff, but who is? <laughs> Former uh, quarterback. Did you see we? Utah seems to get like some Pac-12 refy stuff happening. I mean, everyone does. I would say in general, do, would you say like Utah gets some calls that seem to go their way a little? No, you don't think so? No, it's no, no, because this is a continuation of the conspiracy crap. No, 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 no. Like it just seems like oh, like I see whoever Utah's playing, I see the other fans kind of complaining uh, more than Utah fans. I think it's because Utah um, typically plays a historical uh, plays a a a. Um, a very physical style of football um, that makes you think they should be constantly getting called for hell holding uh. in the same way that everyone complained about Stanford when they were really good uh, for the same thing. Oh, it's, they never get holding calls against them. It's they're running the ball like 45 times a game. Um, you think they're holding a lot more than they are. Yeah. Some people were talking like Stanford was using illegal substances or something when they were lifting. Well, I correct. Know. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure <laughs> that one out. Um, I don't know who was accusing them. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, if you're watching, did you see the call where I, I don't even remember who was doing it, but basically you know, the runners diving for the pylon mm-hmm. football, like football in hands uh-huh. hits the pylon. Uh-huh. They say it's not a touchdown mm-hmm. because his hand hit the pylon. Mm-hmm. So I've never seen something like this. Uh-huh. Like the hand wasn't, from what I remember, not separated from the football. The hand hit first and then the, the hand was holding the football. Correct. And hits the pylon, uh-huh. which you would think it's like if I'm playing baseball and like the ball goes into my glove and I tag the runner, like the ball doesn't have to touch the runner. It's like it's in my glove. That counts as tagging uh-huh. the runner. Shouldn't that be a touchdown? Like, am I so it, am I missing so this? I will I will I will explain it to you. Okay. In a just and, and uh, forgiving world, yes, it should be a touchdown. In the NFL, I think that's a touchdown. In college football, that good sir is not a touchdown. Like legitimately not. Legitimately not, because the hand touching the pylon first means you're out of bounds. If the ball had been if it had been held this way, with the ball out. And like, the ball hits the pylon first. That's a real that's thing. a touchdown. That's Swear a, to God, I looked up the rule. That's a real thing. It is beyond stupid. Would okay if you were in the SEC mm-hmm. and that guy does that, mm-hmm. what is the call? Uh, not only is it a touchdown, <laughs> there's no review. <laughs> right. If you're in the Big Ten, is mm-hmm. that a touchdown? Well, because it it was a touchdown on the field, right? They didn't call it out of bounds on the field, or did they call it out of bounds on the field? I don't. Remember, I think it was out of bounds, and then reviewed it, and they're like, then the review was like, oh, he touches the pylon, it's a touchdown, and they right, said, okay, they, so they called it out of bounds first. So here's the part where the SEC wouldn't have screwed up in the first place. They would have said that it would have been a touchdown on the field because they're they don't hate joy in the way that the Pac-12 <laughs> does. The Pac-12 hates joy, and so they call it initially like let's find a rule that would like not make this right, a joyful right. play. Like, they, they called it correctly mm-hmm. on the field. But that's that's the opposite of joy. This does not bring joy. <laughs> and then on review, they realize, well, there's nothing to overturn this. But if they had called it a touchdown on the field, it would have been impossible to demonstrate that the ball in some part of its circumference didn't cross the plane before the hand hit the pylon, right? Yeah, like if the hand would have to be over the nose of the football, Exactly. Right? Like, 
so that, I mean, his hand hit the pylon, but I would think the nose of the football must have crossed the plane first, right? Well, this is unknowable. Right. You're, I, you're talking about theory, but we know. This is like soccer when they're like, anything that's close to offsides, they call offsides. Like, why are you eliminating these amazing goals? Because they could be close to offsides. Like, let it go. You know, like, if it's close, just let it happen. Like, don't take joy out of the game. Yeah. We like joy. We like scoring. We like seeing the number go up. Yeah. That's the, that's the history of America right there. We like seeing the number go up. Nobody likes seeing the um, number stay the same or go down. Yeah. Make the number go up. That was bad. Uh, but that it's so funny that like the Pac-12 refs would get that like quote unquote right when no one would even think to do that. But like you're looking for rules, you're looking for reason to suck the joy out of this game. Um, so fun. Okay, uh, but Utes, the rain, these two Utes crush them. Yep, it's like just crush it. Yeah, uh, I think you know Cam Rising. It's good that Cam Rising came back in this game because you kind of need him. Uh, down the stretch, right? So you want to be able to get the cobwebs out and just get there and start playing. So yeah, um, but yeah, it, and he looked good enough. It was fine, but it didn't. He didn't look like Cam Rising. No, you know. Uh, okay, our number eight team, Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> they were hosting our uh, not ranked number ten, but in our rankings, number two team, UCLA Bruins. <laughs> The score of this football game was at one point 35 to 10, and at another point 42 to 18. And UCLA, uh, deep into the fourth quarter, uh, was only winning this game 42 to 36. Crazy. Yep. Uh, it got we could weird. have covered. We could have backdoor covered it. Yes, then. we almost did. Um, but then UCLA put the uh, nail in the coffin on a final this drive. This was like a lot of people felt like upset could happen. Like Wilner called it like upset. Yeah. And I was thinking it was, I had it essentially as what it was before UCLA went on the last touchdown drive. Like I predicted 45-37 in okay. my uh, prediction. So my thought on the game is actually a little bit different from like Joe UCLA fan on this one because I think a lot of UCLA fans were like, oh, no, we're going to blow them out. Um, mine was like, well, Arizona State with Trenton Borgay is actually a pretty good offense, um, and they're going to score some points. Yeah. And it happened. It just didn't happen the way I thought. I thought it was going to be a running gunfight the whole way, and instead it was um, more or less a UCLA blowout in the first half, and then just some you know some inefficiencies allowed Arizona State back into the game. Um, so there were two things that happened. So first, um, UCLA just uh, was gangbusters offensively. Um, this was not going to be a UCLA loss really at any point realistically. Because they ran the ball for 402 yards without Zach Charbonnet. Um, that's that's nuts. Um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson had 120 himself. Uh, he had a freaky run where he did the hurdling thing and then did this like arm pirouette to get another few yards. Um, he, he's... I'm trying to think what I analogized him after the game because he's he's always like just talking mad shit throughout the game too. Like just... You can just see defenders seething like listening to the stuff he's saying to them it's like a it's like one of those duke basketball players who are really good and like if you're a ucla fan you're like i love that guy love him so much oh my god uh and if you're a fan of like one of the other 11 teams you hate you hate him so much (laughs) um and it's it's just it's it's uh it's 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 fun to watch uh ucla hasn't had one of those guys in a long time um, but Casimir Allen, uh, Keegan Jones, Colson Yankoff, three-headed monster, um, ran for 280 
themselves. Yankoff. Colson Yankoff, former quarterback. Yeah. Um, Kazmir Allen, who was a wide receiver until last week. Uh, and Where Keegan, was Yankoff? Was he, he was at Washington? He was Washington. Then he came to UCLA. He was a quarterback. Then he switched to wide receiver, and now he switched to running back. Um, yeah. He's like 6'4", runs super upright. No reason he should be able to do this, but Chip Jimmy Kelly. Jimmy Lake, just terrible coaching. You had this great running back on your roster. Had no idea. Ch- Chip Kelly could craft a running game out of you and me. Um, <laughs> but all right, so offensively, they were doing that the whole game. Um, but then uh, in the second half, they they had shut down ASU's offense through the second quarter and then the first drive of the second half, but then they kind of inexplicably pulled some starters um, on the next drive. They were up okay. 35-10 at that point, and it was like maybe two series too early to do that, um, and they did it. ASU marches down scores, and then from there you could see ASU's confidence get up. You know, It was 42-18, but they knew they could move the ball now. Uh I was really impressed with Borgay. Um, really, really tough player. Um, he was getting hit a lot. Hung in there. Um, he doesn't have a huge arm, but he was delivering it pretty well. Um, seemed to see the defense pretty well. Um, and I mean, there was they were they were within um, an interception at the very end of the game of covering uh, here. Um, yeah, and he he played really well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, you know UCLA's defense is no great shakes. I think it's pretty clear it's not in the bottom tier of the league, but it's also not in the top tier. It's very middling. Um, I and think most of them are in that same. <laughs> there's no really top. Like there's like oh, there's but, some good. I mean, I would say at this point you could comfortably say Washington State's is good. U- Utah's good. Utah's gotten a lot better. Oregon's is now I would say in that like it's decent enough. Oregon State. Oregon might State's. Be the best. Pretty decent. Um, those four, I would say, are playing real defense. Uh, UCLA is in the next tier. Um, USC is somewhere in there, probably behind UCLA right now. Washington's not really playing defense. Yeah, it's basically four teams playing any kind of defense right yeah. now. But it was yeah. They I, again, this was a a road game so similar to what like Oregon did, where you kind of take control early because again, just like. Colorado. I thought Arizona State has been feistier. You know, they uh, you you find a quarterback and Trenton Borgay, and he's just you know he looks like he's legit a lot better than what Emory Jones was doing. You know, they seem to be um, you know rallying around that whole interim coach situation again, and uh, I think UCLA just sort of like demoralized them early on. Now then you know there's a Chip Kelly taking your foot off the gas thing where that didn't happen with the Ducks. The Ducks were not. They were not pulling starters. Like, they were keeping this going. So, um, yeah, I mean, Arizona State kind of looked like you thought, like you said, like they looked what you thought they would early on, and maybe UCLA would pull away. It sort of went the went the other way. But uh, I think it's a good win. I think this was one you would look at. You know, when you're looking at the top four teams with USC, UCLA, Oregon, and uh, Utah, you're like, who can, out of that four group of four, can beat one of these teams? And you just thought, like, maybe a road game – against uh, an Arizona State team that's like kind of clawing back into, you know, respectability, maybe that's a potential one. And, uh, you know, obviously it was not. So, yeah, it's a, I think it's a good road win uh, for the Bruins. And, uh, you know, your Arizona State, like, you fought harder at the end. It's, uh, you know, that it's going to take a little while to recover from Herm. But I think you, you got to like the way the team has been playing uh, since Herm left, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I don't know if Borgay is like the starter for the ever future, but um, definitely for the end of this year, and then you know see if he can compete for the job next year. Uh, EVS said Valade is a beast. Yeah, ex Valade, he's he's really good. Uh, if ASU had a defense that wasn't totally trash, 
they would be top five in the pack. Uh, I don't know about that, but um, if if Borgay had started every game this year, they'd be five and four right now instead of three and six. Yeah, um, I do still have that uh, Arizona State under. I think I they're three and six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I got it because they were they're six and a half. Oh yeah, you're yeah, good. So yeah, I won something on those bets. Uh, okay, we got one last game to uh, recap. This one was the you know the Friday game, the game of the week. We have our number six. Team Oregon State Beavers, and they were on the road uh, against the number five team, Washington Huskies. <laughs> yeah, Washington ended up winning this game twenty four to twenty one. Um, it's interesting because throughout the game, I would have said Oregon State's the better team through, like just top to bottom throughout the game. Um, and wait, wait, for real? Yeah, yeah, because they were. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> post-game win expectancy actually would say the same thing. Uh, I think it had Washington as more than likely losing this game like 75% of the time. Yeah, it was like 76% or something. Um, but Oregon State was undone. Uh, basically, I didn't even have a problem with the decisions because of the high wind and everything, but Jonathan Smith twice in the first half um, elected not to kick field goals um, and go for it on fourth down. Both times failed. Um, I think it was still the right decision each time, but you're taking scoring opportunities off the board and you didn't convert. Um, and so end of the day, that's what's going to get looked at askance. And, and it was the difference in the game, but the conditions on the ground were screwed up. I mean, it was a high, high, high wind game. Yeah. Uh, like some of the craziest wind anybody had ever seen. Um, and so it just, and I think that helped Washington to an extent because um, my man Phoenix, uh, not necessarily as affected by the high wind, as like a Ben Goldbranson for whatever reason, like he, and I don't know if, if you watch the game on television, uh, the announcers really were high. They were your boy Michael. Pence. They were super high. He wasn't good in this game, but his arm was if you not. Listen to the broadcast. He was amazeballs. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't good, but his arm is strong enough that he can kind of cut through the wind a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and so he was able to complete a little bit more of what he was trying to do. And Washington was able to pass it more than than Oregon State was g- gonna ever even try to do. Yeah, um, I think a frustrating game for Oregon State though. Um, I think should have won. Better team um, and uh, running the ball, um, Damian. I mean, the thing is, I think you've got to be excited about some of the stuff you've got going. I mean, Damian Martinez is really, really good. Yeah, um, your offensive line is really, really good. But this was a game that was winnable should have been one and instead it's Washington that's walking away with the you know top 25 ranking the dark horse potential in the Pac-12 um and Oregon State probably walks away thinking we were the better team and we should have won that game 100% uh we had some comments Brian says uh Penix exploded on the Beavers um yeah that's uh he he you know he was good uh the high winds were kind of crazy um <coughs> Washington, do you remember what they've done every every opening drive? They've scored, and they didn't in this one. And right. so, like just early on, you're like, "All right, Oregon State comes out and scores. This is the way it's you know you think it's going to go." Um, it's funny. Washington end up getting. It looked like Oregon State was going to go up again. Gets a fourth down stop, and then they have to punt it away and get the punt blocked. Um, Oregon State had another turnover on downs, going for it twice, like you said. On you know instead of going for field goals, all this stuff was going on back and forth. And then like four minutes left in the, in the half, the first half, and it's 7-7. You're like, what? And, like you thought Oregon State was going to be like 
winning this game. Washington, their credit, I thought they converted a bunch of like third and longs, fourth and longs. Like they were moving the ball. They were kind of making the the key plays, maybe not making all the plays, but they were making like the key ones that sort of like turned a we're gonna punt from our own side of the field drive to, you know, going up and then and, and scoring some points. So I thought Washington made those kind of plays where Oregon State was like maybe playing better throughout, but not making the key plays that uh you need to, like, you know, not you know, fourth and short and just like getting stuffed. Um and then very Pac-12, very on brand in the fourth quarter, they just someone you know leaned up against the wall and hit the light switch and all of the lights go that out. That was so Which, cool. That was pretty awesome. Pac-12 know? in the dark. Uh, Pac-12 in the dark. And then we both had Washington minus four and a half in this one, and thought that they would cover. Washington was driving at the end. It was twenty-one twenty-one, I think, and driving, and he thought like, wow, they're going to score a touchdown. And then they sort of just like decided we're going to kick the field goal and you're like ugh and then kind of the result like you, you wanted Oregon State to sort of like for the Pac-12 it'd be good to stay ranked even though Washington was going to jump in the rankings um but then and Washington didn't cover so it was sort of like this this was like the start to my shitty weekend knowing that like Oregon State didn't win and you know if if, if Washington didn't cover you I was wanting Oregon State to win neither of those things happened so yeah yeah it about? was it was frustrating i was also um this game was interminable on top of everything else because of the delay. And this was, if you can still hear it, I'm, I'm still a little recovering from, um, essentially when your children are in school, in mm-hmm. elementary school, and you are their parent, um, you're just plagued by a death cold for like three months every fall. Um, and so I got it last week. And Friday was like peak, like I feel like dog shit. And I'm still just staying up watching this game. And I, it, it's, again, another one of those situations where it's like 10.30, Friday night, you're just like, what am I doing? Mm. Why am I doing this? We got to see if Washington can cover. Right. But it's like, <laughs> and we got to talk like, about it. On this the is like a, it's like a barely relevant game for the Pac 12 standings. Like, you could talk me into like watching, like, I don't know, USC, Oregon, if that was going on or whatever. But why am I watching Washington, Oregon State? And it's for you, the people. Yeah. The POC listeners, all yeah. you guys out there. Um, all right, why don't we take a quick break and we will come back and chat about uh, week 11 games. So back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. So funky. Should I change the music up at all? Or no, not? never. Just keep it Because I know that one well enough that I can hum it when we don't have the sound effects. <laughs> 
Very, very nice. All right, week 11. Uh, we got a Friday game. We're already here. week 11, baby. Mother, like, week 11. Like, what is that? We're, it's like November 10th. Uh, what the hell happened? Like, I was like, just Halloween. And yeah, now, now and now there's 10. three games left in this season. And it gets dark at like 4.30. How, yeah. how blowy is that? I don't mind it. Really? Yeah, I'd like it to stay this way forever. You like this better than the other one? I think so. Okay. Uh, you think you do. All right, let's go. We have uh first Friday game is only well, only Friday game. Colorado Buffalo. On the road, taking on USC Trojan. 6.30, Friday, FS1. Will they have their announcing team on site? That's the real question. Even though it is in LA, will they do it? You would kind of get mad at that, right? It's really stupid. Like, all you're doing is just being a stupid idiot on a couch at home, and they're not even watching the right feed most of the time. So line calls, they can't even tell. Like, what we, the viewer at home, can tell, yeah. they can't even tell. Just stupid. Um, I don't even know if, like, Helfrich was I, – I don't even know for sure they weren't. I'm just saying, like, their call of the game, the UCLA-ASU uh, game, was so bad that it would make sense that they were home the same way the Petros team was. Anyway. Okay. Hmm. Colorado, <laughs> one and one and eight, uh, heading on the road. Take on number eight USC, eight and one in the Coliseum. That's like I love the symmetry. The one and eight, versus yeah, eight and yeah. One. No, it's the palindrome. Uh, USC, mm-hmm. thirty-four point favorite. Whew. When was the last time USC beat a team by thirty-four points? Uh, Rice, Rice was thirty-four, and yep. And Rice, uh, that was a long time ago. That was the first game of the year. They beat Fresno State without Jay Kaner for most of that game by 28. Uh, they beat Arizona State by 17. Uh, they beat Stanford by 13. Uh, they beat Arizona by 8. You're going to take Colorado. They beat Cal right? by 6. Yeah, of course. Okay, taking Colorado, which that's hard to do. Like, 34 points, dude. Dude, I did it last week, 31 and a half. I know, home. but like, okay, so this even, is on if, the road. even if USC's um, uh, defense gets right, like are they, uh, get, getting right for this USC defense is what, giving up 20? Uh, Probably, yeah. Are they scoring 54? They could, I mean. Well, no. Look at what they've done this year. When was the last time they scored over 50? It was Rice. Rice. Yeah. The other games, it's the, the high score is 45. So they would have to win this game 45 to 11 if we're going by the averages. Yeah. Uh, That's not happening. No, I, I get like, and USC's not, um, since, you know, the last few games, like when Eric Gentry went out, their defense has been a lot worse. They've not covered the spread the last couple of weeks. We got it right against Arizona and took Arizona in the points. Uh, did not get it right against um, uh, Cal. And so, yeah, I'm going to take the points here. It's really hard to pick Colorado for anything. Like it's just too many. If like you're like 50% chance Colorado gets off the bus and survive, you know, (laughs) makes it to the Coliseum. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. (laughs) Like I'm going to take them to like, uh, yeah, I I mean, you know, it's tough, but we got to take them. Like, yeah, I think USC Lincoln Riley's saying they're not like saving players for the UCLA and Notre Dame games, but they might be, I don't know what they're going to do about injuries, but yeah. So we all, we're not, we're not. So we all watch Jordan Addison, uh, basically break his leg right we all watch that in real time with our own eyes right correct i don't know if i'll break his leg it looked like i mean he's suffered a severe leg injury of some sort yeah we all watch that with our own eyes 
Why are we playing this week by week game with Lincoln Riley? Like, why are we doing this? I don't know. He said they're really close this week to coming back. He didn't he that say that like two weeks ago he, too? He, yeah, I don't know. I don't listen to pretty much anything with injuries anymore. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, they, but the offense has still been good. Like they just have other guys come out. Like Michael Jackson has a hundred yard game, or you know, uh, Taj Washington has a hundred yard game. So they've they've had other dudes, you know, and in, in Colorado. I feel like the Michael good. Jackson thing is like the Berenstein Bears thing, where like this guy didn't exist until this year. I've never heard of him before, and now he's, he's like out a Vegas there, prospect. And, and now he's out there just like crushing it. Yeah, he caught a little uh, like a screen pass on like third and eight, and it didn't look like it was going to go for anywhere. He made the first guy miss, and then ran it all the way for a touchdown. Yeah, like okay, just becomes Mark Easley. Yeah, like, who's this guy? Like, all right, uh, next up we've got Arizona State Sun Devils <laughs> on the road taking on Washington State Cougars. <laughs> This is a 1230-er on the Pac-12 network, ASU 3-6, and six, going on the road, taking on Washington State 5-4. and four. In Pullman, Washington State is only an eight-point favorite. Give me Washington State. I do not understand this line under any circumstances. Uh, Washington State's defense is the only good thing in this game, but it's good enough that um, I'm having a hard time imagining how Arizona State stays within two touchdowns. Yeah, but, I mean, they were almost within two touchdowns of UCLA, right? They, like the- they, they 14 points at home. Um, and at one point that game was a 25 point lead for UCLA. It was, but it also was like an eight point lead or a six point lead or what was it? What was it late? Um, are you picking ASU? No, I'm going to take Washington state, but it's like, if it creeped up to like 10, I would, I'd start thinking about it. Um, just because Washington state looked good last week. Do you know who they played last week? Stanford. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't look at that. But and go, I did watch Arizona state's defense up close last week. Um, yeah, it's not and it is fundamentally very little difference from Stanford's. Okay. So uh, I think Washington State, they, they their offense has not been good this year, but I think it could be, you know, decent enough in this one. Yeah, that I mean, you need the defense. Obviously, the defense is going to have to play well. But, you know, I, it, I don't feel great about it, but I'm, I'm going Washington State too. Uh, okay, uh, our newly ranked uh, number 25 team. Washington Huskies. <laughs> They're going on the road, taking on the number six team. Oregon Ducks. All right, I'm going to be smart. What the hell is the weather in Eugene this weekend? Mm. Let's just do that first so we don't look like idiots if it's going to be like a insane rain game or, you know, wind. Okay, looks pretty clear. 51 degrees, um, little chance of rain, um, winds 5 to 10 miles per hour. Okay, so no other factors playing in is my point. Okay. Uh, it's a 4 p.m. on Big Fox, number 25, Washington, taking on number six, Oregon. Uh, Oregon is only a 13.5-point home favorite. I will take Oregon. Uh, I'm glad they're giving us that extra half point because I think, you know, it could be a two-touchdown win. That yeah. seems right. Uh, I think Washington is going to be able to score some points. That's like the fifth time this season I've said Washington State when I mean Washington. Hmm. What's going on there? I've never done that before. Uh, I don't know. Just brain just slowly curdling. I mean, you're not that smart. That's, That's true. That's I true. And getting dumber by the minute. <laughs> Literally by the minute. Um, and I have more minutes ahead of you, so that's yeah, why I'm even dude, dumber. Imagine when I reach your advanced age, how <laughs> stupid God. I'll be. Um, I, I Washington's going to be able to score, um, but it's not going to be that much. Oregon's defense is um, uh, an actual, not, I won't say pretty good, but it's an actual living thing in this league, mm. which has no other defenses. 
Like they exist in a like semi liquid state, whereas most other defenses in the league are gaseous at this point. Mm. Um, they're like the house plant in the corner that's like still standing, but it's it's pretty much dead. But it's like it's technically a house plant, but it's not alive. Like, yeah, yeah. That's that. Some some teams technically have a defense, but not really. I like Oregon to score at least forty eight in this game. I, I'm not picking against or like Oregon covering spreads. Like they've just been doing it. Like they're really trying to, you know impress uh this committee like they have they've like a they're trying to zero out some teams they're like a common goal and this yeah. is obviously going to be a big rivalry game um so it's at home i'll take the ducks you know i'd love it to be a close game i'd love washington to like put up a fight and have this really be a good game um but i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna lose any sleep over like washington playing close and like losing this one um, I, I will lose sleep if I have to pick against, you know, some other team to try to like keep it close against Oregon, which has not been happening. So, no. uh, even though it was Washington way better than the other team, if I, it was in Seattle, I would, I would think about it. I would, if it was 14 and a half, I would think about, it. but uh, like you said, under 14, I think that's significant enough for me. I will take the ducks as well. Uh, let's go to California golden bears. <laughs> On the road, taking on Oregon State Beavers. This is the 6 p.m.er, the big 6 p.m.er on Pac-12 Network. Uh, Mm -hmm. Cal, 3-6, and another palindrome game. There are dozens of people that watch these games. Taking on Oregon State six and three. We have have 68 concurrent viewers right now that are watching live. You know, about that many will be. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, in Corvallis, uh, Oregon State is a 14-point favorite. Um, how? I don't understand this. Didn't we all just watch Cal uh, uh, show out against, uh, I would say, national championship favorite USC on the road? Mm. How can we say that they're 14-point dogs to Oregon State? <sighs> yeah. We just saw the quality of Cal. We did. We just saw them score 35 points. Against a USC defense, mm. how can we possibly say that they're not going to do at least that against Oregon State? You can take you can take Cal. I'm taking Oregon State. <laughs> right. Uh, I think Oregon State's probably going to win in a blowout. Um, I think they're going to be angry after that game last week. Mm. I think they're going to be able to run the ball all over Cal. Um, mm. And uh, defensively, I think they're going to. Uh, um, make Jake, make Jack Plummer look Jake. like the guy he actually is, uh, and take advantage of that offensive line, which is still booty. Yeah, I don't think uh, that's the one thing. Like USC got, I think three sacks in the game. Like Tule Tupelo too had like two. How did they not get more? They should have had way more. I think Oregon State's going to put just they they're really good at mixing things up in the front and putting tons of pressure on. Plummer throws three picks in this game. I think that it's going to be, yeah, I think this is like 14 is not enough. Um, now, maybe Cal figured something out, but I think that's more of a, like, we saw this last year when you played, you had like Oregon State played USC, you're like, oh, the, the Oregon State's offense was good. Like, no, it wasn't. Like, that was the one road game that they actually played well. I don't feel like Cal's going to play well in this one. I think Oregon State, the, the two best things here are, the, you know, Oregon State's defense and maybe Cal's defense. But you could go with Oregon State's run game and stuff as well. It's Oregon State's offense and Oregon State's defense are the two best units in this game. I, I like Cal's defense, though. I mean, I think they could cause some problems. Like, I don't think Goldbranson's going to have a huge game, but I think they're just going to be able to run the ball. Um, but I think the the big thing will be, like you said, Oregon State's going to get a lot of pressure, and that's going to, you know, Plummer's going to, like, screw shit up, and then, 
yeah, that's going to be a problem. Let's go both go with Oregon State. Man, I'm just, we're, Cal, we're, Cal's defense this year is 93rd in points per drive. It's not, I just, I don't know. Just they seem to like make some plays, but mm-hmm. that, that's not that's not a very good number. No, they're bad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go. We've got Stanford Cardinal. On the road at number 13. Utah Utes. This is a 7 p.m. or on ESPN. Stanford. This is this is 100% the Rod Gilmore game. You know it, right? It has to be. You know it in your soul. Hmm. Uh, Stanford 3-6 and six, taking on number 13, Utah 7-2. and two. All right. So Utah's favored by 24 points. What's the line at which you wouldn't take Utah? What is the uh, the meme from uh, Mean Girls? Like the limit does not exist. <laughs> I wish I had. Because like, like I know you're going to take Utah, right. and I know I'm going to take Utah. Yeah. But like I'm trying to think, what's the number where I wouldn't? And I think it's 35. Just because yeah. Utah might like you know that's that's pull your foot off the gas territory. Utah is very good at pulling foot off the but gas. But 24 is not it. No, it's not. Um, here's the thing, Stanford. Beat Notre Dame on the road. You know, they're they're a road warrior type of team. They could go into Salt Lake City, and re- and nobody is a master of the kicking game like David Shaw. Like figuring out ways to punt they from could anywhere kick, on the field. They could kick eight field goals in this game. <laughs> they could. I I think eight punts are more likely. But yeah, I mean, I don't like. I don't want to think about like if I had to pick a game and it was like a 35 point spread, but I probably, I mean, I, I don't know. Like I'd probably flip a coin at that point, but like at 24, again, just have to take Utah. Maybe Stanford keeps it close. Maybe Utah does some weird stuff. Stanford might be the new uh, opposing team minus anything, uh, given what we've seen in recent weeks, like even more than Colorado. Like if USC wasn't so bad on defense, like we would have still taken them. 35, you know, 34, whatever it is. But the, for, okay, so what's, what's Utah? Like, if you're, you're Kyle Whittingham's mind, mm-hmm. like, this is more important than anything because I think it's more going to be controlled on the Utah side. You got Cam Rising back. He looked like kind of mediocre. Like, okay, this is going to be the game that he becomes Cam Rising he make He takes off and runs a little bit. You know, he picks up those first downs. The stuff that, you know, makes it so like even if he's missing and throws a little bit, he can still run and pick up first downs. Mm-hmm. Maybe you see more of that because you're getting ready for the Utah game. I mean, the Oregon game the following week. So maybe you get a full, fully unleashed Cam Rising, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you're in the top 13, whatever college football playoff rankings. You're going to try to like move up yourself, uh, build some momentum going into the Oregon game. No one's really talking about Utah. They're like. Oregon and whoever USC and UCLA, you know, what happens there. This is a big chance for Utah. So I feel like there's incentive enough to like blow Stanford out. Yeah, I agree. Now, maybe he's just like, we're only worrying about Oregon and we're just going to beat Stanford by whatever we need to and just move on. Maybe he's thinking that, but I kind of feel like he wants to build something because you have your quarterback coming off of injury. I agree. And I think, I think they're going to smoke him. Then you feel better about the 24 points. Yeah. All right, last one. Arizona Wildcats. On the road, taking on uh, number 12. UCLA Bruins. This is a 7.30 game on Big Fox, which is weird. That is weird. Uh, Real quick, the window, so the next week following the week 12. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about this. 
Um, you talk about this one on Big Fox. The two big games, USC, UCLA, uh-huh. Oregon, and Utah, <coughs> because of some weird contractual stuff, there's only two time slots, uh, 5 p.m. on Fox. Or 7, 7.30 on ESPN. 7.30 on ESPN. Uh-huh. Um, because Fox already has like another game. And like I guess ESPN asked to do it at, fi- at prime time, and Fox said no. According, I think Wilner reported yep. this. Um, but yeah, and then ESPN already has to show something earlier, so they can't. Basically, the two best games in the Pac-12 are going to be. You know, one's prime time. That's great. But you'd like one at the 1230 window or something earlier, right? And they're not going to do it. Uh, and you might have game day. If USC and UCLA uh-huh. win this weekend, game day could be at the Rose Bowl. Seems uh, very likely. Yes. Uh, and it'll be potentially, it'll probably be the 5 o'clock game. But you're going to have like Oregon and Utah at 730. Like, ugh, you know, so this is a six-day window. Yeah, it's going to be ass. I mean, it's horrible. Um, it's a bad TV contract, but it's been a bad TV contract forever. I think the reality is um, we haven't had to pay attention to it too much because it's been very rare that there have been November games that have mattered in the Pac-12 in recent uh, years. And it just so happens there's going to be two on the same day, um, which is even rarer. Um, and I mean matters not just for Pac-12 purposes, but matters for the national discussion. Um, like you're going to have potentially like by that point, it might be what number six, number five or number six USC versus number six or seven UCLA in the not fraudulent rankings, like in the AP rankings, you know, the ones that matter. Um, and, uh, and it's going to be potentially seven 30 PM with Rod Gilmar calling the game. Mm. That's what you want. That's kind of what I want, but it looks like, and with like the SD truck, like where it looks like somebody painted the screen. Oh, that's Sweet. pretty funny. Yeah. But it looks like, like if you had to guess, it's probably USC-UCLA. That'll probably be the big Fox game. Yeah. And then it'll be Oregon-Utah, unless somehow one of UCLA or USC loses this weekend. Okay. Uh, but even right. then, it probably makes more sense for it to be UCLA-USC, because it's more, more, I don't know, it's just a bigger, it's a rivalry game. Yeah. It's not Oregon-Utah. Uh, well, we got some questions. So let's get through these, and then uh, we'll let you guys go. Uh, hey, Dave, there's a text message. A series we didn't of- even go over the game. Oh my God! We did. Oh my God! What happened? Sorry, I I distracted you. What's the spread? What do we got? How did we not? I'm sorry. Seven thirty p.m. on Big Fox. As I said before, you viciously interrupted me. Arizona three and six, traveling two. Number twelve, UCLA eight and one. Uh, It's at the Rose Bowl. UCLA is a nineteen and a half point favorite. Mm. This is a really tough one for me. I'm going to take UCLA. Because I think it could be one of those games where they inexplicably play a decent amount of defense against Arizona. Uh, Cowing is potentially hurt. Um, Jaden Delora is due for a good game because he just had a bad game last weekend. Um, but Arizona's running game is not that good. Their passing game really is. Um, but I think they're going to be able to get after Jaden Delora and disrupt him enough um, that I think the defense, I don't think it's going to be great, but I think they hold them to like 28 say yeah and i think ucla's offense um even without zach charbonnet if he's out unavailable again this weekend i think it's rare for a team to run for 400 yards in back-to-back games but have you seen this arizona run defense it's not good so i think ucla could score 49 56 somewhere in that range and i think that will be more than enough to cover yeah i need um i'm gonna go i'm gonna agree with you take ucla in this one just because arizona's defense is so bad um they can score. They can be feisty, but I just think that UCLA—they're not going to be able to stop UCLA. And you can, 
you can do things at UCLA with DTR running and Zach Charbonnet or Cashmere Allen or whatever kind of going. Any of those guys can go off. Uh, doesn't, doesn't matter who's playing or what. And I just think they're going to run through Arizona. There's just opportunities to run, and some teams don't always take them. I think UCLA will take them. So being under three scores, I will, you know, I will take, you know, it's under 21 points. I'm going to take UCLA. You ready for the over-under? What's the over-under? 77 and a half. Significant. Um, here's the problem. I was looking at these all the week 11 games. What is the the smallest point spread of any of the games of week 11? Um, it's Is it Wazoo? Yeah, eight points. Yeah. Like Nothing is within a touchdown. Uh, that's kind of blowy. Well, it's just it's because there's a clear uh, delineation. I yeah. mean, there's there's the top four teams, and then there's everyone else. And yes, there's a there's a middle two, but it's just those two. It's and Oregon we, State and, and we, Washington. And we took all of the favorites. Yep. Giving laying a bunch of points. Except, no, no, no. We t- I, <laughs> except for the biggest spread, the thirty-four point spread for so like our one time we're picking the underdog is freaking Colorado, like one of the worst teams ever. Like that's what we're doing. Um, but it's hard. I, I, I want to pick against you at some of these, but it's just, you just feel like there is a delineation like you were talking about. And you feel like these teams, a lot of them, uh, you know, Utah's a favorite at home. UCLA's a favorite at home. Oregon State's a favorite at home. Oregon's a favorite at home. Washington State's a favorite at home. Like, I mean, I'm not going to pick one of these bad teams to go on the road and keep it close with one of the better teams. So, yeah. Um, you know, maybe the Arizona State game, maybe they can keep it close. I don't know, but um, we're probably going to have a lot of blowouts. That's uh, my guess this week. So uh, that would be good for us if there's a lot of blowouts because then we our picks would probably do well. Okay, uh, we'll go to the questions. Like I mentioned, sorry, but for jumping out Jesus. of that prematurely, we have a text series. It's a text thread, I guess you could say. Hey, Dave and Ryan, reaching out the podcast to let you know about a topic you might find fun for the podcast. Wondering if you actually check these messages and if I have the right number. Um, we do, and yes, you do. My buddy and I are each fans of different Pac-12 schools and end up ended up in a friendly, fun bet. We still do trash talk despite being on our 40s now. Um, sorry to waste your time on this. Perhaps I have the wrong number. If so, I apologize. A lot going on there. So he said he has a fun bet, but he didn't tell us what the bet is. Yeah, I think this, this person was plagued by indecision, doubt. Um, like he was like, I'm going to write to you, but I'm not really. But then they were concerned because we didn't respond to the text messages, I guess. And um, now they're they're sitting there um, stewing and wondering, what if? What mm-hmm. if I could have finished my thought? I'm glad you have a fun bet. And it's I'm, okay I'm happy for 40s. that person in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, but next time, maybe tell us what the fun just bet Just finish is. the thought. Yeah. Even if you are sending it to the wrong number, they'll want the <laughs> thought to finish too. <laughs> Like, who's this rando? Nobody wants to sit there with somebody. Like, have you ever had this with somebody who, like, they they get distracted when they're talking to you and they don't finish their thought? It's maddening. Mm. Maddening. Dave, the one thing I liked about the uh, UCLA game this week. Ow. You like that? I just want to (laughs) know. I just want to know. This is something. Uh, Hi, Dave. I found that the older I get, the more agnostic my belief system gets. Do you feel that agnosticism is akin to cowardice? I can see how my inability to commit could be viewed as craven fence sitting, but at the same time, I have never felt more confident in a stance. I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, wow. Um, look, I would say agnosticism from like a, a uh, uh, akin to cowardice. Well, no, from a logical standpoint, it's the only. It's the. I mean, I think. Well, I, I won't say I think we can all agree because obviously we can't. I mean, mm. this is the history of the world, but um, <laughs> it's the most rational um, standpoint because you can't prove 
um, the existence or the lack of existence of a god or god or gods or pantheon of gods or whatever you want to believe as far as that. You can't prove any of it. Okay. Um, I think um, there's the Descartes idea. I think it was Descartes who had the idea that, like, um, I, I want to hedge my bets anyway, so I'm going to believe in something because, well, if I'm right, then it's this thing. But you don't get any rewards for being rational here and saying, right. saying oh, no, none of this shit exists because there's potential for a reward. You just got to pick right, right, um, if one of these things does exist, like if it's Buddhism, you know. But then there's also the religions that don't necessarily reward or punish disbelief um, where, well, if you're part of this belief system, you don't actually necessarily need to believe in it. It just exists anyway. Gotcha. Um, but from an, from a rationality standpoint, I mean, I agree with you. I, have a, I struggle with um, the idea of like adopting one of these creeds or credos because it's um, – uh, formed by men, um, flawed people, but like you also look at like the existence of the universe and you say, well, okay, yeah, I buy the Big Bang Theory, I buy the whole thing, but like what what was before that? Like what started that whole thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at life generally and you're like, well, yeah, I mean, uh, the evolution and all that kind of stuff, but it's also like it's kind of beautiful, right? Like it's kind of amazing that it happened the way it did. It's kind of amazing the human brain formed the way it did, um, and all this other stuff. So you say, well, could there have been some direction? Yeah, maybe. But that's where agnosticism comes in. It's the admission that you don't know. You have no answers on the subject, and so it's like, well, okay. I mean, my 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 general sense of the subject is, yeah, I I, I could buy it. Um, but at the same time, do I believe that there was like, I don't know, some angry dude in the sky who was like pissed that somebody um you know apple or whatever or said some bad words to their mom or something no Mm. that doesn't exist um i think if you divorce it from the stuff that was designed to control like the the stuff that was designed to enforce hierarchies and ancient civilizations and stuff and you just look at the underlying idea that like um you should do good stuff um and uh you know maybe this was all formed for a reason those are two nice thoughts, right? Like, I think most religions, you know, boils down to, here's some good rules to follow. Don't be a dick. And also, <laughs> at the end, uh, there might have been somebody who had something to do with this, maybe. Um, so, who knows? Maybe there's a way to get rewarded for it at the end. But just please don't be a dick. Uh, that's a good uh, general ethos to follow. It could, that could create your religion. Don't be a dick. Well, I mean, that's what they all boil down to at the end of the day anyway. Yeah. I mean, we all take them and, and make crazy things out of them because people are flawed and stupid. But um, at the at the beginning stages, they're all, hey, here's some rules for not being an asshole. We're going to dress it up as like something divine, but don't be a dick. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he had a question for you, too. Oh. Uh, also a question for Ryan so he doesn't feel left out. Mm. Dude, how bitchin' is the new Taylor Swift CD? <laughs> do, you, do your kids like listen to the... I don't. No, no, they don't. I don't know anything about it. No. So. I, I make them listen to my, my music. Oh, nice. Or they listen to like uh, Disney hits. There was like, so I don't know anything about the new Taylor Swift CD. Sorry. But the there were people talking about like what college football team's records are after Taylor uh-huh. Swift. Like, I mean, where the hell did that come from? I don't get it. There's a real um, overlap between um, uh, uh, weird music fans and college football college people events. on twitter okay. um and so it's like this there's a little performative aspect to it like all these people like y- you people are all real taylor swift fans maybe i don't know mm. i listen to her stuff and it's pretty good 
But like, I don't, you know, go seeking out Taylor Swift music. No, I mean, I've heard songs. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's pretty good. Like, she's a talented like songwriter. She's a ta- like, very talented songwriter. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was writing stuff from when she was like, I yeah. don't know, 15 or whatever. Like, there's some people who are just like they have a look and they have a voice or somewhat of a voice, and you just make them a star because they're yeah, like, no, she's just really talented. But she could like write her own shit and play instruments and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. This is from Kevin Buys and Nature versus Nature. Uh, sorry, Nature versus Nurture. Hey guys, uh, am I late to the party and noticing that teams on a buy playing each other the following week? How long has that been going on? Give the person who came up with the, that idea a gold star. That did seem to happen a lot. That wasn't always the case, though. No, that was no, more of a reason. They, they they changed that when people got up in arms about it. I think it was USC who got stuck. No, like several times in that post Rose Bowl year, I think it was, where they got stuck oh, playing a team on a like it, on a Friday where that team had a bye beforehand and they didn't or something like that. It was like it was like seven or eight games in a row where the other team had more rest than they did. Like yeah, back and to I, back to and back. And I think it was like it drew a lot of complaints, and because it was USC, I think it, it like drew a little bit more attention, and so the Pac-12 fixed it the next year, and it hasn't been. I haven't noticed it being particularly bad in the last three years. There was some Oregon, like there was like some Pacific Northwest stuff where like Oregon was always getting Washington off a bye or something. But then Washington would kind of get like if Washington got the advantage against Oregon, they got screwed in the Apple Cup. There was like some circle of of we're going to screw every team. And like Stanford was involved in there. Like they're like, we're all going to make sure all of you get screwed somehow. You know, so basically no one gets to win. Yeah. But they fixed a lot of that. Uh, um, so we're lauding the Oregon coach uh, for its performance so far this year. Uh, now, didn't he inherit this roster? How much development can he take credit for? And as far as schemes go, wouldn't a really good roster be able to win with all elementary school scheme? Now, I realize he's doing uh, his job rather well. I'm just not sold on his long-term success. We need only to remember what Joe Burrow did for Coach O at LSU from national champs to being fired in the span of what? Two seasons? Okay, Pac-12 is fun this year with no clear-cut runaway pair of leaders. What are the odds it takes until the final weeks to determine the teams playing for the championship? Carry on, Kevin. Uh, to a significant extent, he didn't inherit this roster. I think basically every running back who's playing is new. Yes. Um, the quarterback's new. I don't know the roster well enough to know how many of the other ones are new. Actually, I don't remember it well enough because I had to do the research for the game that week. But... Um, he did bring in a lot of transfers. I would say the things that impressed me most about landing have very little to do with scheme and everything to do with game management at this point, which is the stuff that actually I think does matter for a head coach. And the fact that he hired Dillingham um, shows a little bit of vision. I mean, maybe he got lucky. We'll see with his next hire because I don't think Dillingham's going to be long for the coordinating world. Yeah. Um, but um, he he he's checking a lot of boxes. Now it's one season, so you can't you know say oh god he's going to be the next Saban, but He's checking a lot of boxes that Mario Cristobal never checked. Yes. Um, which is, uh, you know, hiring and trusting scheme and making really good game management decisions. Mario Cristobal never did that. That's why I was constantly talking about Mario Cristobal as like a rich man's Jim Mora. Um, Dan Lanning isn't that. Um, Lane no. Danning. Um, Lane so Danning. we'll see. Yeah, definitely been impressed. And it's not just about, well, he inherited a bunch of great players and. He's managing the game better than what we saw from Mario Cristobal. I think they've won the middle eight in every single game. Yeah, pretty it's, impressive. Except for Georgia, I think. Yeah, well, they, I don't think they could have won anything there. <laughs> yeah, you won. I mean, you maybe won the coin toss, and that was it. 
All right. Uh, this is from Frank in Sacramento. Sac State next Pac-12 coach. The Sacramento State Hornets are 9-0 and zero this year after having a 10-win season last year. Do you think their coach, Troy Taylor, who played at Cal and was an offensive coordinator at Utah, has a chance at the Arizona State or the Colorado jobs? Frank in Sacramento. I've heard his name a lot. Yeah, I don't know. That's a big jump, but... Maybe if Caliber gets its shit together and fires Wilcox, um, who's, again, back. you know, apparently the most coveted coach in Pac-12 history, uh, Troy Taylor could move on over to Cal. That'd be a fit. I heard if uh, Landon goes to Auburn, they were going to hire Wilcox <laughs> at Oregon. Just, just throwing it out there. Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, we got another text message. Uh, Jay Velo. I don't know how to say it. Hey, guys. Or just guys. It's nice to see the Pac-12 receive some respect this season. This weekend helped the case for a one-loss Pac-12 conference champ to be a strong playoff candidate. Just wanted to give kudos to Klyovkov. Hold on. Where we got? Kalashnikov. For great scheduling to put marquee matchups for Oregon, Utah, and UCLA, USC late in the season and getting rid of divisions. No divisions ensures the best Pac teams get good exposure at the end of the season and it's surprising that other conferences besides the Big 12 haven't adopted that model. Yeah, kind of like the Big Ten's delaying it until USC and UCLA jump in. But I thought, I love that. Like, that was one of the cool, you know, Klyovkov moments when it was like within seven minutes of the announcement, like the Pac-12 already had their statement ready, like no more divisions for right. determining a champion. So I thought that was cool. Like, yeah. very decisively, like, we're not doing this. And I didn't realize... It was like five of the eleven years that would have changed the the matchup. So, and you know, a significant amount of time you'd have a different matchup. Yeah, and it's going to be very good this year. Though it might actually end up screwing UCLA because there is a scenario. Okay, where if Utah beats Oregon, okay, and UCLA still wins out, where UCLA is shut out of the Pac-12 title game. So it would be Utah. Oregon versus Utah ah, again. Interesting. Because but it, there's it, some very weird tiebreakers if you go down the list. But it looks like it could come down to to a north and a south team, though. Like, yes. It's almost certainly going to do that. But it could be a, a south team that UCLA beat versus Oregon. Right. Where if Even you just when, the tiebreakers. So if it was divisions, there wouldn't be like the full-on tiebreaker, right? It would just be... Well, if UCLA wins out, they will have beaten everybody in the south, and their only loss would have been to Oregon. So any tiebreaker for the south division, UCLA would have won. Right. And they would have gone to the title game no matter what. But a but non-division there is, tiebreaker. There is a live scenario where UCLA wins out and gets shut out of the Pac-12 title game. Yeah. Which uh, is crazy. Seems unlikely, but um, but that that is kind of nuts that, that the divisions would have screwed over. It still would be north-south, but it would change the teams from the north and south. Correct. All right. Nuts. Uh, yeah, it's pretty nuts. All right, this is from Coach Boyle from San Diego. Hey, Jensen, happy November. Two questions for you. Does Georgia smacking Tennessee change the national view of the Oregon loss? I think sort of. I mean, I don't think they smacked them hard enough because the thing is, however we all saw that game, uh, they only finished 27-13. So mm. the end result is going to look like, oh, they didn't beat them as bad. They beat that ass. Like They beat mm. the shit out of Tennessee. Um, I don't know how much it's going to change the national view of that game. I think distance is the best thing for that Oregon loss. Yeah. And the fact that you just keep winning uh, and yeah, and blow some teams out. Yeah. They've been doing that. Uh, two, in light of Notre Dame running shop through the ACC, how do you think Stanford would fare in that conference? Does Stanford make the ACC title game? Uh, no question about it. Stanford would be pretty close to a bowl team in the ACC this year. The ACC <laughs> is trash. You really think so? It's trash, dude. 
trash. Um, you've seen Stanford, though, right? Have you seen the ACC this year? Yeah. It is several, several rungs down the ladder from the Pac-12. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, Stanford would beat, they'd beat the hell out of Boston College. Okay. Uh, they'd beat Virginia Tech and Virginia this year. Okay. Uh, they'd probably beat Miami. Oh. Um, yeah, Miami's bad. Georgia Tech, they'd beat. I don't know about Pitt. I don't know about Duke, and I don't know about North Carolina, but I think they would feast on the lower end of the ACC. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll go with you. They're trash. Uh, and then uh, he says, P.S. David, should uh, you should both come cover my high school team's quarterfinal game this Friday. I'd love to, Coach Boyle, but uh, I haven't I haven't covered a – I haven't been at a Pac-12 – I haven't been at a UCLA home game since 2015 – and I don't think I've been to a high school game since 2014. Wow. Yeah, I've made it. I've made it through. I uh, I didn't go to a high school game this year. I just, I promise in the pandemic, I probably haven't gone. I mean, no, I did a couple pandemic high school games, but not much. Um, uh, I should be getting one of those, like, what exactly is it you say you do here? You should at get 247 that. Sports. Mm, I don't know. I'm repping. Yeah. Uh, we got a voicemail. I just loaded it while we were talking. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Um, you guys have talked... Uh, a little bit in the past about uh, Stanford potentially dropping out of Division One football or at least moving to kind of an Ivy League level standing in that regard, um, you know, when it comes to athletics. And I was wondering, um, how serious do you think that guy is or how the how serious of a possibility you guys think that is? Um, and also kind of what impact do you think that would have on the Pac-12 moving forward? Um, just because I know Stanford – doesn't necessarily bring in the money the way uh, USC or UCLA or Oregon do, but you know it's hard to tell the history of the Pac-12 without Stanford. They've certainly been a good football program. So, just want to know what your guys' thoughts were on that. Thanks, guys. Hmm. I uh, I go back and forth on it. I I don't I don't realistically think they're actually going to drop football and or drop FBS football at some point. I think they'll stay in whatever constitutes the Pac-12. I think if the Pac-12 truly did break up, like no chance it's staying together. But I actually think the Big 12 deal makes it so it's much more likely that it stays together, at least for the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, I just see them sticking it out because at the end of the day, yeah, we can say they don't really care about the money from athletics, but this is um, a, a private uh, school, most likely affiliated at some level with private equity ghouls. Are they really going to refuse money? You get more money from having the program than mm. you don't from not having it. Yeah. Um, so I think at the end of the day, they're going to like that $30 million some odd chunk of change they get from the TV deal every year. And, uh, you know, there's no there's no reason to have, like, a, you know, competitive football team. They don't care about that, um, clearly, because they still have David Shaw as their coach. So they don't even have to get into that buyout game either. They just, you know. Collect your thirty million dollars, run out our two and ten team every year, and stay in the Pac twelve. Yeah, Pac ten, whatever it is. What are we now? We're still twelve, right? Uh, for now, we're twelve. I like it. Yeah. Uh, curious to see how all this all plays out, but I, it's hard hard for me to picture Stanford dropping out, something like that. Uh, what do we have next? Is this Cal fan? Yeah, you want me to do it? Uh, sure. This is from Derek from Santa Clara, Cal fan. Uh, hi, Dave and Ryan. A few episodes ago, you mentioned that the worst fan base in the Pac-12 is actually the Cal fan base because of how smarmy we get when Cal is good. Somebody in the Cal athletic department must be both a POC listener as well as very defensive of our reputation as a fan base because clearly they heard that and decided to give a directive to tank the rest of the season <laughs> to ensure our perception is never soiled as such again. 
for my question, I know we're a couple of weeks out and you'll cover this in your previews for that game, but for the game with the biggest championship implications in week 12, who do you have? I'm not talking about the crosstown rivalry or the Utah-Oregon game, which have Pac-12 uh, championship implications, but rather the Butt Bowl, the 125th annual Butt Game, to determine who is the champion of Butt for the 2022 Pac-12 season, Stanford or Cal. Thanks for all you do. Derek from Santa Clara. I think I'm leaning Cal. Yeah, I, I, I need to watch both teams again this week. I think it's neck and neck. Yeah. Because Cal's really bad. Um but Stanford is taking it to another level. Um, but Stanford, it goes in waves. Right now, they're in a trough. But are they going to rise again? You know, is Josh Carty going to kick another six field goals in a game? And if they do that, is that enough to beat Cal? You got to win two games in a season without scoring a touchdown. I think Stanford can do that. And that would be. Do you the, think Stanford be- will again this year? Uh, all right, so they play Utah this weekend, so it's probably not going to happen then. But will they score more than twenty points again in a game this year? No, they haven't done it in four weeks. No, what what if, what indication do you have that they, they, they scored this? sixteen against Notre Dame, fifteen against ASU, thirteen against UCLA, and fourteen against Washington State? So they've hit all of those numbers. So they've really got to get, uh, I would say, seventeen against Utah this weekend. Then they got to hit twelve against Cal, and then eighteen close it out against BYU. <laughs> every number between like between ten the, and twenty. <laughs> I want them to hit every single one. That'd be awesome. Uh, love it. We'll get some numerology up, up on the farm. Yes. Um, oh, look at this one. Oregon State versus Washington. A love letter to innate to... What? Inanity. Inanity. What the hell is that? Inanity. Uh, the, the quality of being inane. So it, did you just like define the word with the word? You don't know what inane means? Yes. It means out of, out of, out of, out of its mind. Like just kind of okay. uh, goofy and insane. Sweet. This is Eric. Hello, Ryan and Dave. Uh, I'm sure you've already talked at length about this past weekend's game between the powerhouse programs of Oregon State and the University of Washington. However, I would like to take a moment to sit back and appreciate the absolute masterclass of entertainment provided us last Friday evening. This game had it all. Pac-12, check. Pick six, check. Ranked team losing, checkaroo. Pac-12 team going to ref, boy, boy, howdy. Um, tie game until the very last second, naturally. Last-ditch attempt at recreating the play, quote, ending in an interception. Oh, yeah. Technical difficulties? Of course. After dark? You know it, baby. Despite my beaver, despite my beavers doing what we do every time we get ranked and losing the very next game, I have to say that was just about the most entertaining game it could have been. In honor of this, I would like to take a second to mention my personal favorite moments in this ridiculous display of something involving football. So he's got, a, he's got notes. Yep. Refs blowing a likely 20-plus yard run by Damian Martinez because they thought Jonathan Smith Jonathan Smith was calling a timeout only to sheepishly, sheepishly acknowledge they were mistaken to a full stadium. That ruled. That was amazing. Like, he gets the Red Sea parts, and, like, nobody's <laughs> and stopping this guy. Just walks out there no, and no, says, stop. Uh, nobody called timeout. Nobody called timeout. Just, you know, <laughs> this was going to be an amazing play. Let's bring it back. Try to Try to do it again. That was freaking awesome. <laughs> One of the announcers unshamedly sucking Michael Penix Jr. throughout the entire game, including during the pick six play. Yes. I think it was right before the pick six. Now, I want to I want to clarify that? how this was written. Okay. One of the announcers unashamedly sucking Michael's Penix Jr. Oh, whatever. There you go. 
Sorry about that. No, 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 no. It wouldn't have worked with your pronouncing his name correctly either. That's true. You have to pronounce it the way you put it. The refs calling a foul on Oregon State because they saw a ghost in the backfield (laughs) and thought there were too many players on the turf. Overturned, of course, uh, by the fact that video cameras cannot, in fact, record ethrophies. Yes. So you can't shoot ghosts with the the SD cameras that they were using. So... HD, maybe. We don't get those in the Pac-12. The wind seemingly not affecting Washington's (laughs) passing game, yet clearly pushing Gold Branson's throw about 10 yards to the left on a deep pass attempt. I'm not even mad. Good for Penix for throwing a a tighter spiral with more power. Um, Jay Smitty going for it on fourth down in the red zone every time because, fuck it, there's wind or something. (laughs) It's getting harder. The refs missing... Very clear holding PI calls on Oregon State's secondary. Let it be. Let it not be said. I think the refs lost us that game. They definitely did not. Phantom tackling. I'm sorry. Phantom targeting that thankfully was overturned on replay because what the fuck would that have been? And then this was a targeting call where the defensive player didn't even hit the offensive player. Yeah, you got to throw the flag though, just in case. <laughs> Let's review it. Like targeting the guy on the bench like <laughs> he looked funny at that guy like yeah like okay uh and last but not least someone at husky stadium flipping the breaker because they too loved the super bowl 47 entertaining as hell uh, entertaining as hell nine out of ten game regards clearly a masochist p.s uh how much do we want to bet the lights going out was a conspiracy because it clearly helped the team wearing purple and white and then cal stafford fans should know what i'm talking about Oh, that was about the play. That was about, oh, I'm sorry, about the, uh, yeah. That was like, Jesus, he's even had, that was a lot. That was like sort of, there were some footnotes. You could publish this. There was yeah. a footnote. There was, okay. This is from Charlie. Okay. Uh, pod question. Hello, Californians. I have a question, assertion. Does Oregon have the hardest remaining schedule of any contender in the country? I've included some candidates below since I know you won't look it up. Please don't read them all on air. Um, yeah, it seems pretty clear that they're up there. I mean, TCU's is tough. TCU has to go at Texas and at Baylor. And um, Iowa State's good. And Iowa State's <laughs> they're I don't think they are good this year. They're well coached. They could beat you, like Sure. It's not like paying Sure. Among the Pac twelve teams, I don't think it's any question. Uh that right. Oregon's got the toughest remaining schedule. Um but yeah, looking around, I would say Michigan's is pretty tough, um, but they can afford. Well, no, they probably can't afford a loss if the Pac-12 wins out. Um, but they have Illinois and at Ohio State. But yeah, Oregon's is very tough. Um, and then he said, "I didn't include possible conference titles, but if the Ducks make it, anyone they face will also be good." True. As an Oregon fan, I'm still skeptical of potentially make the playoff over a much more winnable Rose Bowl. But if we can win our next four, I would feel a lot better. Does that make sense? Do you agree? Do you care? Thanks and happy podcasting. Um. I was going to say, he forgot UCLA. I was going to say, he didn't include UCLA on this. Yeah. Well, UCLA is, I mean, aside from USC, it's pretty cake. Um, Arizona and Cal. I don't think there's any question that if Oregon wins out, they're in. I think almost certainly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, so they've got, if they win out, they're going to have a win over the current number 13 in the CFP. They're going to have a win over Oregon State at the end of the year, and I think Oregon State might sneak back into the rankings before this is all said and done. Mm-hmm. Um, they're right now. Uh, they've got to play Cal, which they'll win at Oregon at Arizona State, which they might win. So when they play Oregon in the Civil War, it might be 
Oregon State back to 22 or 23, something like that. Hmm. Um, so that'll be Oregon. Um, Oregon is playing currently number 25, Washington. So Washington will not be ranked after that one, but they also might climb back in uh, by the end of the year. So that's two, maybe three of those are going to be ranked games. And then it'll be against, more than likely, UCLA or USC in the Pac-12 title game, a top 10 team. Yeah. So that's a hell of a resume. There, there's no, I, I very much doubt, looking at what they have to go through, that they will be anything less than number four in the final ranking. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think, uh, especially with the four tough games you got remaining, I mean, that's, uh, if you can go 4 0, you're probably going to be in. And I think you want to make the playoff and get blown out by Georgia again. It doesn't matter. Like, I think making be part the playoff, of the conversation. Yeah. You want to do that. We got a couple quick ones. Um, uh, from the chat and we'll let you go. I know we're like at the two hour mark uh, from Brian small on YouTube. Uh, two questions. Why is the USC four spots ahead of UCLA and the rankings? I think it's the logo on the side of the helmet and that's about yes, it. Yes, that's it. Uh, do you think anything will come from the UC regents meeting uh, next week that hurts UCLA's move to the big 10 and then Cameron Cameron following up with that saying, uh, when do we get confirmation of UCLA leaving the pack? Let me answer Brian's question. Yeah. No, no, it's just theater. Stupid. Mm. It's a waste of everyone's time. I don't know why anyone's talking about it as if it's a real thing. It's not. Do you know how many lawsuits there would be? Do you know how many? Nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen? Nothing's going to happen. Okay. I think it'll be, we'll set some new rules for the future. That'll be what it is. All right. Uh, Dirty Knees. Done to me. Thunder uh, yeah, cheap, I think. Whatever. It's, it's a dirty deeds. I don't know. Davis UCLA going to wear any alternative uniforms this year? No, thanks. Um, someone wants. Yeah, I think we're. I think we're done here. Uh, yeah. Bra- Brian has another one about the tiebreaker scenario. Oh, do you want me to no, that? it's insane. But it basically involves um, the re- the the records of the teams that are different that UCLA and Utah will have played. Um, and I think it basically boils down to Washington State and Oregon State versus Cal and somebody else. Um, and so you're basically like you end up having to root for Cal the rest of the year <laughs> if you're a UCLA fan, whereas Utah fans end up having to root for like Washington State and Oregon State. It makes no sense, but the reality is that Utah's opponents, their their opponents, have a slightly easier path going forward. And so the end result would be that Utah would more than likely make it in if they beat Oregon and win out. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I think even like the like the Oregon State Washington game, like if you've played Oregon State, you'd rather them win versus if you played Washington. Like those kind of things were happening, right? Where like yeah. it's like you're you need your opponents to like do better. Like just stuff that's completely out of your control. So Yep. It's really stupid. Yeah. All right. Well let's uh wrap things up because uh that's what we do here. Um we, we went like two hours. We always wrap it up. Two hours, dude. Stay safe. It was a lot. Uh, yeah, week 11. Enjoy a bunch of blowouts, and then we'll come talk about it next week. Maybe we'll get some good games, but looks like going to be blowout central. So gearing up for November 19th. Which is Armageddon be- weekend. Yes. Maybe college game day back on uh, Pac-12. On my good. birthday. That's your birthday? November 19th. Oh, huge. Yep. Jim Mora's birthday, too. I remember We're birthday buddies. Should we do like a live show on November 19th? You know, like, I don't think we can do that because we're both going to be working a lot. 
we're both going to be working, but we're going to be working late at night. I will be at the Rose Bowl. I won't be. <laughs> you should go. I'm going to be there. Why don't we do a show like at halftime or something? Uh, you know what you could probably convince me of is like getting out there a little bit earlier that day and okay. then coming back home and watching the game. Um, <laughs> we could we could just set up in the parking lot. It'd be fun. Okay. Get a lot of uh, the POC. What do you listening? have to pay for parking at the Rose Bowl these days? Is it like 500 bucks? I don't know. Yeah. I put in a bunch of requests for parking for my staff. So hopefully I get them all for our credentials. So Maybe I'll carpool with you because I don't have credentials this year. You can't get a credential? I can get a credential, but I didn't sign up for them. <laughs> What's your job? I don't know. What do I do for a living? Like you literally live in this city and like. Yeah. Could easily go to the game. You know what I haven't, and I'm probably. I think I'm gonna. I'm. I think I'm on on schedule to have to go to Poly at least once this year for a game. Oh, but that's even I go to basketball games. Yeah, I know. We did the Pac-12 tournament though last year. We did do fun. that. So I did cover that, but it was not a home game. No, that was fun. That was Vegas. That was fun. That was Vegas. Me talking basketball, like kind of not, not a thing. But yeah, Vegas is great. But I, I want to go back. So I went to the, the football championship game last year, Oregon. and uh, You know what? USC is not going to have to worry about this year? Going to the NCAA tournament. Are they bad? Did you see what they just did? They lost to Florida Gulf Coast. Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah. So they might not be good. Florida Gulf Coast giveth and taketh away. Mm-hmm. Gaveth you a coach. And they taketh away a win. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go wrap shit up. It's too long. Uh, I am Ryan Abraham. That is David Woods. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you next time. Goodbye, my friends. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.